Today, we live in a climate that is very, very perverted, very, very evil in so many ways. It's all because of sin. The biggest problem right now is what's going on politically. All the things that these politicians from your Justice Democrats to the weak Republicans to even the people who claim to be of God, they are changing everything that God has made and orchestrated. Now, what are you going to do about it? This fight, this brutal fight that's going on right now is not just because of a political party or a political asset. It's between your soul. Welcome to Rap Witnessing Real Authentic Politicians from God. Hello, hello, and welcome to Rap Witnessing Real Politicians from God. I am your host, Cleveland Rose, and my co-host is going to be coming up in a few minutes, but I want to thank each and every one of you to be part of this wonderful radio experience. Now, this event here is the one of the biggest events that we have done. This one, we did several of them, but this event itself is one of the huge that we ever done because we are doing it for all three radio networks that is on our platform. We are also broadcasting live on Vita through my John the Radio Network and also we broadcast live through God is Powerful Radio Network. These radio networks plus the Resident Christian Radio Network is we dedicate to bring this form to you so you could be engaged into doing something about what we are going to talk about tonight. Now tonight's topic and the whole premise of the whole thing is about what's going on in our world today. Now, today's world, people think this is the norm, but it's not. What is going on today is that we have people who are claiming that are Bible-believing, Bible-towing believers going in and doing all kinds of mishap to claim to be of God, but they're not. So what we're going to do here, we're going to set the record straight. What we're going to do here, we're going to go ahead and bring a lot of stuff out here for people to be part of. We're going to also going to break in down to the minimal of people who don't know what it means for Christians to be involved in the political process. Now, my co-host is coming in a few minutes, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce my panel. This panel here is people who are dedicated and willfully wants to tell the truth about God. And this is one of the beautiful things about this is because everyone here is a Bible-believer Christian. Matter of fact, not only they are a Bible-believer Christian, but they are also, and this is the most important thing all, we believe in conservatism. Now, we are also... And I want to repeat this here so vividly. We are also under another platform, as a two more platforms, which one of them is a very, 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 very left wing. And the main reason why it's left wing is because these guys here are very, very, very <laughs> left. But the thing is how we got in. We got in because 
for one thing, the grace of God. Secondly, we also got in because God gave us the ability to get in here. And the third and most important, um, most important thing all is that we got in because we are conservatives and and Christians. And a lot of these people are atheists. A lot of them are, you name it. I I could go down a list of them. But this is the whole thing here is that we are sitting on a platform that is part of a far left agenda, which these guys here that don't believe in anything we do. So we're going to go ahead and set the record straight right here and right now on this platform. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go down the list of the people who's in here right now and I'm going to go ahead and start with Mason Weaver then Casper Stockhand and uh, uh, Gary Benford and the rest so let's go ahead and start with uh, our brother Mason Weaver first how you doing sir I'm here alright go ahead introduce the world which everybody pretty much know who you are but go ahead and let people <laughs> know who you are well, especially the left-wingers, because there's a lot of them on there as well. I used to be on the left side, then I became conscious and moved over to the right. Uh, my name is Mason Weaver. I am my mother's favorite son. Uh, I, I started off in the Navy where a racist shipmate tried to kill me. He looked me in the eye and dropped a ton and a half of steel on me because of the color of my skin. And I hated everything white. I hated white people. I hated white dogs. I broke up with a girl because she had the nerves to bring a white dog into my house. Um, I was I, I ran with the Black Panther Party. I ran with the Black Student Union. I was at Cal when Hillary was at Cal. I didn't like communists, but I was still a militant. Um, got my degree in Black History. Got my I speak Swahili. I got my degree in Political Science. I became politically active. I found God on the road, Highway Five, heading north to San Diego, and he re I realized that that white boy did not try to kill me. I had been oh, disobedient to God. I had been denying what God had called me to do. And God laid my behind on a slab because I was too busy. And he laid me on a slab and said, are you busy now? You can't move anything. Are you ready to serve me now? Can we talk about it now? So I am a, I'm a Christian. My Christian faith, my Christian belief, my Christian study has made me politically a conservative. Economically, I'm a capitalist. Mason Weaver. Amen. You know, brother Mason, I we will talk a little bit, but we will. I, I just I, I admire your work, um, and I want to say that on the air so people would know that you know, brother Mason, you know, had wrote a book about it's okay to leave the plantation, the Democrat plantation, and I read it constantly, and <laughs> I I I could tell you, wow, W O W, and people need to read it, especially young people. Um, I really enjoyed the book tremendously and um man but let's go ahead go a little bit further here uh let's go ahead and talk to casper stockhand and he got something important to talk about in a few minutes let's go ahead and get him on here hey cleveland uh, and welcome everyone to the call yeah my name is casper stockham so i grew up on the uh on the east coast in a very progressive liberal household by the time I was 17, I hated all things Republican and most things white. I wasn't quite as bad as Mason. I didn't, I didn't have a problem with white dogs, but I just hated most things white. 
And um, I went into the Air Force at an early age and, and found out that the world was not quite how my my parents and the people around me um, stated. You know, a lot of those folks that I grew up with had never left the neighborhood, you know, and uh, I was uh, put into an environment with pe- with the good old boys from Texas and, and Louisiana and, and California and, you know, all these different places in the world, and we had to start working together in order to make things happen for our squad. And I became very conservative uh, in my military career. In fact, I became so conservative I couldn't vote for anybody because none of them were conservative enough for me. You know, Republicans weren't conservative because most of them aren't. Even today, most of them are not conservative. Um, you know, so I was just kind of watching the chaos ensue over the years, but I never really got involved. So six years ago, I got involved, uh, ran for Congress, lost, uh, I ran two races. I lost those races, but I wound up learning a lot about the system and a lot about what's going on in our, in our communities and everything else. Uh, so now I'm a Christian conservative, I'm a constitutionalist, and um, I am, um, as of today, jumping back into the political arena and running for Congress uh, here in Colorado, in, uh, in the Aurora, Colorado area. Wow. You see, me and Brother Casper have history, and I ain't talk about history like people think he is. <laughs> but uh, me and Brother Casper has so much history. Um, we did a lot of stuff together, but the thing about Brother Castle, I, look, I noticed about him, is something so powerful, so unique, is that he is focused on bringing God into the, 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 the forefront, instead of being the back channel person. He always wanted to do that, and one of the things I love about him, and also his beautiful wife Cheryl, is that they are consistent. You don't have so many people who are consistent people. And when you don't have people like that, they just pretty much give you the fallacies of not really what's going on with life. But Brother Casper is one of the guys that I admire so much because me and him do a lot of stuff together with radio and things like that. It makes me want to, you know, I call him a brother for another mother. And and I call all your guys because we are in the same body together. And um, the thing is, is so unique is that uh, it's so beautiful is that we have these powerful um, aspects of life. And I just want to tell him that and also want to give him um, the prosperity to do. So I want to go ahead, go to the father here and go ahead, go to Brother Gary. And Brother Gary's story it's similar to Brother Weaver a little bit, but different. But let's go ahead and talk to Brother Gary Benford here. Yes, hello, everybody. I'm glad to be part of the panel and, and glad to uh, bond with everybody in Christian love. Yeah, my story is a little bit different than uh, Brother Mason Weaver's in that uh, God didn't put me on a slab. He just let me descend into a pit. So, uh, <laughs> But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. we got to start back at the beginning. I was raised in Summit, New Jersey. Um, in the, uh, I was, uh, you know, young in the 50s, a teenager in the 60s, and it's an upper middle class uh, environment, 12% black. Uh, very, very good high school. Um, I didn't have a problem with any type of people because uh, my whole life was just centered around music, trying to be some combination of Billy Preston and James Brown, or uh, a sports writer. Because I was into writing sports, I had a gift for uh, journalism. So I did go to college. I 
I ended up at Ohio University majoring in both music and in journalism. I had thought that I was a Christian because I went to church every, every Sunday. I played, uh, for, uh, played uh, the piano for the Sunday school, and uh, I uh, played the trumpet on uh, church uh, caravans and things for this stuff. Every Sunday we go around and play at another community. And um, I thought that made you a Christian by basically going to church. I didn't realize that it has to be a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I had none. So I go to college, and I uh, fell into all kind of vices, all kind of stuff that I'd never done before. I wasn't a drinker. I started drinking. I didn't do drugs before. I was doing drugs. I wasn't having sex in high school. Now I'm just going crazy at the number one party school in the country. Not that I was having what you call rampant sex, but I was having sex that outside of marriage, which is not God's way. I knew none of this. So, you know, I... Yeah, I got a job uh, with Newsday, one of the largest papers in, in uh, New York, a million circulation, uh, and started writing sports. And uh, uh, after about 12, 13 years, the music bug hit me, and I got involved in music management. You know, got involved with a few artists, and eventually ended up with uh, a, a great flute player, uh, Dwayne Kerr, K-E-R-R, the funky flute man, D-Man's Records. Uh, Started his career in 1991, worked with him. Um, he ended up being a side person in Erica Badu's band. He also had his own solo career. Uh, we were going around and uh, playing, and I really thought music was going to be my life. Uh, flying back from a gig in Orlando, we had made a promise to each other that as long as he could make, uh, make a living, that I would be his manager for life. And I really meant that, but um, God had other plans. So what ended up happening was, in 1997, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And um, Mason ended up on a slab. I ended up uh, probably like Joseph, down in the bottom of a pit, in which God just allowed everything that I thought was precious to me and that was my God to totally be taken away. My wife left, lost the house, lost the job, basically lost everything except the, the music thing that I had going, lost everything, and that's where I found Jesus Christ at the bottom of that pit. And it doesn't mean you're going to find it, but it means there you had the opportunity because music was my God, entertainment was my God, recreation was my God, uh, fun was my God, and he just stripped everything away to where that's where I heard the small, quiet voice. Got born again, uh, and he became a firm believer in Jesus Christ, started studying the Bible, and when I say I, I became a firm believer, I mean I jumped in with both feet. Uh, and what ended up happening, I started teaching Sunday school, and, and then eventually God said, like 2005, it's time to leave the music business. My calling's higher. I have other things for you to do. Okay, so I leave the music business not knowing where this is going to take me. I have no clue, no idea. I was working now in a healthcare office, you know, just a, a day job, which I'd never had in my life anything like that and uh you know he'll open one door after the door behind you closes so what ended up happening was uh, i suddenly got involved in politics and i had i i couldn't have cared less about politics before republican democrat i didn't even know the difference but i i saw a person on tv his name was curtis bowers he, he had a video uh, about the communist takeover of the united states it's called agenda grinding america down and I, I saw that video, and it just opened my eyes, and I just started getting involved, like Casper did and like Mason did, to understanding about the Constitution, that God was behind the founding of this nation through Judeo-Christian values, understanding what that piece of paper means about our religious liberties, that through Jesus Christ you have freedom. We were born as a free country, and the only way to stay as a free country 
is to keep and respect that Constitution. Great thing you're doing as a constitutionalist, Casper. And I just started getting involved. So that's how I birthed Nation Savers on Facebook 2016. It's now 2018. And I use my spiritual gift of encouragement to just encourage people to just reach out and, and learn an issue, get involved with something you have a passion for, and, and get involved and try and just get one heart at a time and try and, and just alert everybody in your circles of influence that we're under the midst of a communist takeover. This is communist, Marxism, socialism, whatever you want to call it. They're trying to overthrow the government. And as we all know, that is the fruit. The root is this is God's attempt to overthrow, a Satan's attempt to overthrow God. And, and that's what it's all aimed at. It's all aimed, that's why everything is aimed at getting the Bible out of there, at getting God out of the workplace, the schools, you know, the government, getting God, you know, through abortion and through, through this marriage thing to silence Christians, where if they can silence the voice of the church, they can take over the country, and that's the only way socialism could ever come in. So that's pretty much my story, and that's where I am. Well, I'm, <clears throat> I want to tell a lot of people about Gary a whole lot more. And you can listen to it on our um, anchor uh, page, you know, which I won't be showing links out a little bit. Um, Gary's story is phenomenal. Just like Brother Mason, Brother Casper, and others who's on this, um, not on this broadcast, but on this call as well. The, the, the story is phenomenal. And when you hear a man of God who's humble, like these men and others who I'm about to introduce in a few minutes, it just make you just resonate to say, thank you, Lord, for save me, because if it wasn't for me, I wouldn't be here. And that's one of the beautiful things about our Lord Savior. And um, I really want to uh, commend Brother Gary for his testimony that we did about a few weeks ago. And it's really, really remarkable. And people still want to listen to it. And I tell them to go to the Western, uh, go to our page and go ahead and listen to it. And they just fall in pieces again. So I want to thank you, um, brother, brother Gary, for your testimony and also be on this call. Um, Honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Um, I know I see Sister Deborah here, and if she can listen and hear me out, uh, Sister Deborah, go ahead and let people know who you are as well. Well, hi, thank you. It's uh, great to be here. Um, you know, God is just, he's amazing. And uh, I, as Casper, Casper's my brother, uh, so we grew up in the same environment. My dad was very strong in politics and on the Democratic side. And I just always thought that they were out to just help people. And, and that's what was presented, and that's what I believed. And it, it just seemed right to fight for that. And it wasn't until actually Casper started talking to me saying, do you realize that that's not what the Democratic Party is about? And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? It was the biggest shock I'd ever seen in my life. And this was like right after my husband had passed away. I'd you know, just gone through all the grief of that. And then when I woke up from that, it's like somebody had come in and changed my country. And I was like, who changed my country? What on earth is going on? And I started, you know, through Casper's encouragement, was going to Tea Party meetings and starting to hear what was really going on. And I'm like, okay, something 
is very, and I'm listening to all this going, okay, there's got to be an answer, because I'm like all about solutions, and I'm like, there's got to be an answer, because there's so many people trying to do so many things, trying to combat so many things that's bad, which is a whole lot, it's like, how do you do that? And then I kept saying, God, there's got to be an answer, and God was gracious enough to, to, to lead me to a group of people that were praying and making a difference. They were going into the school systems that had high suicide rates and high, high uh, pregnancies and, and drugs and alcohol and all this other stuff. And they were like going in and praying for like 24 hours, 48 hours. And literally after that, their, all the, the suicide stopped, the pregnancies stopped, the, uh, the scholastic uh, uh, level of the school drastically increased. And I'm like, that's what it's about. It's like God is the one who's going to make a difference. And I remember telling the people at the tea party, lovely people, and I said, you know what? I understand all this stuff going on, but you need to know one thing. One thing they forgot. They don't know. They don't know the God that we serve. And God is only going to tolerate so much evil in this world. And then he's going to step in. Now, we've got to do our part to support it. You know, we've got the people, those people like you guys sold out for Christ and praying and interceding and then doing what God called us to do. And I just believe he's called me to just help Christians to really stand for who they are and not give in and not be silent because it's easy to be afraid and to be silent because I was there. It's like I was just like, okay, I don't want to upset anybody because I don't like upsetting anybody. But also, at the same time, they're going to go to hell if they don't get this right. So, <laughs> I mean, I'd rather upset them a little bit here so I can help save their lives. And so I'm all about just, okay, let's get focused on what the Bible says, what the Word of God says, and let's fight for that and let God fight for us. Amen. I, I listen to Deborah a lot on Facebook, and we, she, she puts some meat on her, her, uh, 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 her daily uh, you know, uh, exhortation. And I call that uh, for what it is because it's, it's really great meat. She just put it out there. And that's what I love about you, Deborah, is that when you put something out there, you put it out there, sister. I, I commend you for what you do. And I I listen to you a lot. And I always share people, man, you got to listen to the sister of God. I mean, this woman knows what she's talking about. She's very authentic and she's real. And a lot of people look at me and say, ah, you know, and then they listen, then they just stop this. Oh, and then that's, that's when people like, man, you know, she, she's something else. Then, you know, when you have a person like that, you don't have no choice. So that's why God used her in a mighty way. I really commend you, Deborah, for what God has doing in your life. Um, I'm so happy that we, you know, we met up and everything. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> I got to, I got to put her on here. So I thank you for that. All right. Um, let's go ahead and switch gears here. We got someone here with a seven one nine number. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and let people know who you are, and we will go forward from there. Is is? Let me see here. I guess he's there. Okay. Let's go in. Is anybody else on the call that I did not um call out go ahead and speak right now and go from there and introduce yourself as well hi good evening this is nathan o'neill in aurora colorado all right nathan go ahead introduce yourself and and uh let people know about who you are what you do everything else and what god's doing in your life 
Well, thank you. First of all, I'd like to thank my friend and brother Casper for inviting me to participate in the call. Um, I've been listening to uh, the testimonies of each person, and, and I consider them a testimony because God has done certainly great deliverance in, in the lives of his people. Um, I started at a young age, uh, was saved, and knew I should have been in the ministry at 17. I was uh, not in the right frame of mind. Uh, and it got to the point that I said, okay, well, if I do this, I have to give up girls, give up partying, give up girls, give up drinking, give up girls, give up girls, give up girls. And I was just not ready. But God is faithful, and he prepared me throughout all of those years and uh, ultimately led me into pastoring and just working in the community. And so I'm just thankful for all the things God has done. I could go on and on about God's goodness, uh, but I won't. I just want to say again, thank you for allowing me to participate in the call. No problem. Um, well, Brother Nate, uh, we do appreciate you being here. Uh, it's an honor. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to converse and do things with you so we could go forward. We see this is the purpose of this whole uh, forum is that we are picking back from one another. And also we are going to become much more than just someone which is casual on this call or on this uh, conference or this broadcast. We want to be able to help one another in the body of Christ. And that's the whole purpose of why we're doing this here. And I really do appreciate you being part of this as well. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do this here while we got other people coming in. I got some people here on Squabble, which is the left wing place here. It's a couple of people here. They talk about get get ready. We're ready for your questions. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Okay. Um, let's go ahead and get started here, and I wanted to uh, ask a couple of questions. I'm going to start with um, each one of you. I'm going to start with uh, Brother Mason, then we're going to go forward. Um, let's go ahead, and anyone else want to jump in, you go ahead, can't, you can't jump in, but wait till the person is done with the uh, answer after they are finished. You could go ahead and jump in with it. So we'll go ahead and start with Brother Mason first. And um, I want to go ahead and pick his brain. Like I said, I'm going to pick brains here. So um, first question I want to ask you, Brother Mason, and the rest of y'all guys go follow along with it, is, and this is a question that I got from a, a young man who is 24 years old. And this question was related to about why is it so important to become a conservative? But he also asks another way. Why is it so important to become a Christian, then conservative? So if you can, I want you to go ahead, and this is an African-American person who's asked this question. Then I got some more uh, uh, stuff that y'all guys going to love in a few minutes. So I want you, to, Brother Mason, go ahead and let people know about I, that. Mm -hmm. I, I said in my introduction, spiritually, I'm a Christian. Politically, I'm a conservative. Economically, I am a capitalist. But I take everything to the cross, every problem, every decision, every question. And when I get up off my knees at the cross, I act the way God has commanded me to act. So if you see me politically, you would interpret that action as conservative. If you see me economically, you would interpret that as being conservative, a capitalist. So what I am is a Christian, and God has led my life. He has declared my life. He has 
left instructions on every part of my life. So it's important that someone becomes a true Christian, and that will lead you to be a conservative. It will lead you to be a capitalist. It will lead you to be a freedom fighter. It will lead you to be a warrior. Uh, you will stand up against man. Uh, the problems of Christianity always come from the Bible, uh, uh, from uh, government. Every problem facing God's people in Scripture, every problem was from government. So we, we have the natural enemy. Government is seeking to be God and they want to be worshipped. So we are, we are fighting a problem here that is spiritual. So I am a Christian, and that controls my life politically. I also do not believe that you can separate God from anything. I don't think you're man enough to separate church from state. I don't think you're man enough to tell God where you can and cannot participate. A Christian is required to have an opinion on everything in life because everything in life has been given back to us. We've been redeemed. It belongs to us now. Nothing belongs to Caesar any longer. All right. Okay, uh, Brother Casper, you could go ahead and do that. Yeah. Oh, sure. So I got to follow Mason. That, that's not fair. <laughs> well, come on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, uh, well, of course, Mason's absolutely right. You know, it, it starts with uh, Christianity. It doesn't start with conservatism because over the years that, that term has been morphed and changed and you know, who knows what it means sometimes today. Um, but um, my foundation is um, Christian, and then I, I, I behave in a manner that, like Mason said, it, it comes across as being conservative, but it's really just being a good Christian, you know. And, and, and as far as the government goes, you know, we, we had to put the First Amendment in place just so the government wouldn't infringe upon our rights because they are our natural enemy. So um, running in politics, you know, it's going to be a, a balancing act to make sure that anything that I do doesn't infringe upon people's rights. And, and not to get too political, but the gentleman I'm running against, he is a, I believe he's Jewish by, by faith. Everything he does violates my rights. Mm. Everything, every time he opens his mouth, my rights are violated. So, so um, I'm going to make sure that I replace him so that as the people in my district, whether they're Democrat or Republican, it doesn't matter. I want to make sure that everything I do protects their rights, their constitutional rights, their God-given rights for you know, for the freedom and liberties that we all should be enjoying as Christians and, and even just as um, citizens in America. Amen. All right. Go ahead, Brother Gary. Yes. Um, thank you, Casper, and thank you, Mason. You, you've really explained to him who we are and what we are. And uh, I just want to take a couple minutes now to, to tell him who God is. Uh, either at the very beginning, sir, who called in and thank you. It's a great question because this is something I deal with all the time because they say, well, why Christianity? What separates Christianity from any other religion? Why should I listen to you instead of Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism? All religions the same. See, you either have a God that said, let there be light and created this universe out of nothing, or you have something coming from nothing, as they try and tell you in the schools in the Big Bang Theory, which really can't happen. See, because if something comes from nothing, then you need a series of miracles every second of the day to explain DNA, to explain birth, to explain you know, human beings, to, to explain everything, the beauty of God's universe that you can see galaxies away. But see, if it's just one God, 
that said, let there be light, and then created everything, everything else falls into place. So he puts man in a garden, Adam and Eve. He makes a man and he makes a woman. He put us here, all of us here, sir, to love him and be loved by him, just like you would do with your children. You don't know how they're going to come out, but you have children because you want to have something to love and somebody to love you back unconditionally, okay? So he puts them in the garden, but prior to that, there was an overthrow up in, up, up in heaven before God even said, let there be light, in which Lucifer tried to take over heaven. He got kicked out of heaven with one-third of the angels. God threw him down here to earth, and man fell in the garden when Adam and Eve ate of a forbidden fruit, and sin came into the world. Ever since that, everybody has been born imperfect. God created heaven to be the Garden of Eden, which is actually in modern-day Iraq, by the way. But what ended up happening is mankind fell. So, so God is perfect, and he can't be around in perfection. So his plan of device was, since man cannot pay for his own sin, to give man a savior. And when he said, let there be light, it was a triune God. Because if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, it says, let us, meaning Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, there at the, at the creation, part of the triune God. Jesus Christ came down as a man to pay for our sins. Now you say, why do we believe in Jesus Christ? It's, it's, number one, it's a historical fact he was crucified. You can look that up. That actually happened. And he arose. More than 500 people saw him. All of his disciples, with the exception of Judas, were, were, were martyred. These people had run at the crucifixion except for John. Everybody ran because they thought Caiaphas and the Jews and the Roman government was going to put them on a cross. Why three days later did they get up and then go out and evangelize the world because they saw the risen Lord? So all I would say to you, sir, is Muhammad's in the grave, Buddha's in the grave, Joseph Smith, who started the Mormons, in the grave, Confucius is in the grave, Gandhi's in the grave, Charles Days Russell, who started Jehovah Witnesses in the grave, Jesus Christ arose, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Either he's telling the truth, or he lied. He can't even pay for his own sins, much less us. He, he would be a demon for deceiving us, and every Bible should be burned and turned away from Christianity. But you look around the world, Christians are being martyred, being killed at an alarming rate, an alarming rate, because they won't give up their risen Lord. And that's why we're Christians. Amen. That wow! Now, um, <laughs> Sister Deborah, go ahead. Um. Oh, thanks. Yes. <laughs> I, first of all, let me say Amen, Amen, and Amen. Um, I, I think what I would just share is that one that this is what we're in is, a, it, and it's already been said, but it's a battle against good and evil, and we can't out of ourselves, we don't have what we need, the knowledge of the information, in order to make things better. And that only comes from the Creator, as you've heard. The Creator is the one who tells us and shows us and directs us so that it's the best we can be, not the worst that we can be. There's a lot of confusion out there. Why is that confusion there? That confusion is because everybody's trying to do things their way. But if we come together and we do it God's way, we do it through the power of Jesus Christ, then there's no way, literally, we can lose. 
we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers of darkness, and high places. So this is a little spiritual battle that needs to be fought, but we have to do it God's way. And and my life is I'm a Christian because I know and believe, and I know what he's personally done in my life, and I know that he put America here for a purpose. America is a guard for the rest of the world, and that's what it's supposed to do, and to protect Israel. And we can't do that if we don't line up with the Word of God. And so the so you can't separate it out. You can't run from it. And even if you thought you had done all of that, where will you spend eternity? Amen. Do you want to be eternally separated from the God who created you and spend a place of torment, or would you rather spend time with a loving God? I don't even like the heat in Arizona sometimes when we get to 115, 120. <laughs> I surely don't want to spend eternity in someplace hotter than this. Hey, Amen. Because, as was said, you can't put, you know, the purity of God in with evil. It's just not going to work. Amen. Hey, Amen. Hey, oh, wow. I, whoo. Brother Nate, uh, Pastor Nate, go ahead and, uh, and bring your comment in, my brother. Brother. Well, praise God. Uh, Nathan and Catherine, Deborah, Gary and Deborah have just laid it out. <laughs> uh, I, I like what Gary said about the big main theory, and I've all, always said, if you want to accept that premise, that's fine. And we'll look at it like this. God said, let there be light, and bam, there was a big bang, and there was light. So we don't have to play whatever game they're playing. Um, one of the things that gets into me, and Casper will tell you, I'm kind of anal when it comes to words, so I apologize in advance. Mm -hmm. um, but from a hermeneutical perspective, and I look at the Word of God, I don't see Jesus instituting and bringing religion, which is a man-made doctrine of dogma and rules and regulation, but rather Jesus introduced us to relationship, and for this young person who asked, I would say uh, being a Christian is first and foremost the best thing that anyone could do in their lives, but certainly secondarily to that is one must develop a personal relationship with Christ, and when we get to the point of having that personal relationship, and as Casper said, it's about guiding principles. We know right from wrong, and we have to work on understanding and making decisions. The Lord gave me a message, I don't know, years and years ago, and it was simply called the other side of temptation. And so everyone is tempted, and you have two options. You either fall into the temptation or you walk away from it. And in that time period, that develops that relationship, and makes us stronger in this walk uh, with Christ. And so I certainly agree with all of those who have shared previously, and I'm just excited about what God is doing in the lives of his folks. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's going to be uh, evident whether one wants to believe it or not. Uh, you know, eternity is long, hell is high, and salvation is free. So we need to make up our minds which way we're going to go in that. Praise the Lord. I mean, I love Harmonious myself, uh, brother. Uh, Nathan, I, I I read a lot. We that's how you study the Word of God and understand the words that's coming from there. And people in our uh, 
what we believe in is, is believers. Like you said, Chris, uh, Christianity is not a religion. It's the way of life. And um, that's one of the things that people need to understand that Christianity, just like when people, the people of the world will say you need to tolerate uh, Muslims, you need to tolerate Hindus, you need to tolerate uh, Jehovah Witness, tolerate all these other different kinds of religions they are, we consider to be false. See, the thing is, is that we don't, God did not tell us to tolerate the things of the world. He told us to what? Go to the world and make disciples. So, 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 so when people go around and trying to twist God's word, that's where we have a problem at, which brings me to this question here. And this is a huge question uh, from a lot of people who've been uh, doing this poll on our websites, on my genre radio. And one of the th questions came about, and this is one of them, was this. Now, a lot of people keep saying tolerance, okay, especially political tolerance. This one woman, her name is, I want to say, I want to keep her name anonymous, but I will say Kim. She said this. She asked this question, and we'll go back around again. She asked this question, what makes you Christians say, you, you say Christians are lovable. You say the conservatives in their state of mind tolerate things that are going on. Why makes you what makes you think that Christians are the most lovable people when you are totally against the things that we grew up to do? So let's go ahead and start back to uh, around again with Brother Weaver and then we'll go back forward. Now let's do this here. Brother Casper, you go ahead and take this one. Then we'll go back then we'll go to Brother Weaver the last. So go ahead, Brother Casper, of that question. Of the answer. So, um, what was the actual question? Though? The question was, and this is, I'm going I'm to go ahead and paraphrase this a little bit. The question was, what makes Christians so lovable? And especially when dealing with politics, you know, oh. yes, because a lot of people said we should be tolerant. Well, what yeah. makes it so, what make us so lovable? Because they say that we act hateful when it comes to yeah. things that they used to. Like abortion, homosexuality, well, things like that. Sure, sure. Well, the Christians who are acting hateful are not actually, in my opinion, um, being obedient to the Word. Because the Word is very clear. You know, I do a presentation on Love Saves America. And, and as I go through it, I kind of laugh a little bit because they're saying, you know, love your enemies and, and so forth. And I'm like, um, if you're not loving your enemy, not now. You know, turn the other cheek, you know, that's a tough one. I get that. But we can definitely love people who hate us. Okay, there's no cost in doing that. Um, hello, hello. Okay. Hello. Now, now that's my, my co-host. We'll talk about that in a minute. Go ahead, Brother Casper. <laughs> yeah, so, we, so, so as Christians, we should be loving our enemies. Now, um, we should be um, salt, light, and love. So those three. But the greatest is love. So most of what we do on a daily basis should be love, sprinkled with salt, sprinkled with light, but the, but the majority should be love. And if we're doing that, we will win over a lot more people to the kingdom. But the challenge is 
a lot of Christians are so wrapped up in the world, even though they're Christian, they aren't able to display any love. You know, somebody, you know, I was in a, a meeting one time with a bunch of pastors, and they said we had to do something about the LGBTQ XYZ people. And I said, uh, uh, excuse me, pastors, we don't need to do anything about those people. What we need to do is pray for them and love them. And we can love them right on into the kingdom. But that's rare. Mm -hmm. So um, what we should be doing is really practicing or, or, or practicing getting really good at love. Okay. Wow. Let's go ahead and go. Wow. That's, I think you put that into... A good caliber, brother Casper. I love that 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 answer. Okay, brother uh, Gary, go ahead and give your input. Well, you you know me, Cleveland, and mm -hmm. you, you know you know my thing is about like the Wizard of Oz. You know, like everybody thought the wizard was one thing, and Toto the dog goes and pulls that curtain back, and you see what's behind the curtain is something completely different than you thought was going on with all the smoke and mirrors and everything. Once again, I have to go back to the beginning of time. The big problem we have right now in this country is that the left has been too successful in getting the Bible, getting uh, the Ten Commandments, and getting anything of Christianity out of the government, the schools, and the workplace. Very few people know anything about what is in the Bible. Why is that important? It's important because of what we said about the, the person that asked the first question about why Christianity. Because if God is God, and if he created everything, truth comes from him. The only real truth comes from God. That's why, yes, God is love, but God is truth. Well, see, and all truths come from God. So if somebody would say, well, why are, why are you against abortion? Because God's against abortion. Why are you against same-sex marriage? Because God's against same-sex marriage. See, and that's the problem. The problem is there's a disconnect right now in the country, and it's intentional to fracture the populace so they don't understand what love is. See, Jesus said there's no greater thing than to, than to you know, sacrifice your life for a friend. Well, sacrificing my life for a friend who would happen to be a homosexual, would I, my, my love would be for me to tell him this is out of the will of God. And if you continue down this way without getting born again and let God heal you of that, you're going to wind up in hell which is just separation from God. Every God, you don't want God in your life, you'll be gone. Okay, that's it. He's not going to be able to help you anymore. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be in torment the rest of your life. Love is telling them the truth. See, now, when you listen to people, they think we're intolerant. They think we're, we hate. One of the toughest days I ever had in my life was when my father, later in life, uh, after my sister and I had had our true conversions, and, and he was still, you know, doing the I go to church thing, and he sat me down, he was about 85 years old at this time, and started crying in front of me and said, you don't love me, you hate me. And I said, what do you mean I hate you? He said, because you keep trying to shove your version of Jesus down my throat. If you love me, leave me alone. See, and that's the thing. He's accusing me of hating him, and I love him and want him to spend eternity with me. Because I'm telling you, Dad, you don't get this right. When you go, I'll never see you again. That's the love we have. And see, and that's the love we have to show them. But in order to show them love, we need to tell them where the love comes from. It comes from God, and that all love comes from God, because every emotion we can possibly have 
on the good side can only come from him because he created us and not we ourselves. Amen. That's, wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. And see, I know this. I know Brother Garrett like this. That's how he he explains it so perfectly. So, Sister Deborah, I know you got something. Go ahead, Sister. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, it, it this kind of falls into that category when people talk about unity. They think we should come together and just agree on everything uh, to be true unity. But unity is really in Christ. If we follow the Word of God, that is true unity. Same thing with love. Love is from the Word of God because Christ first loved us. But that does not mean that we allow people who are struggling with their life to come in and change the laws and the rules so they can feel better about the sin that they're doing. Because when we do that, we're, we're giving them a false hope that they're going to be fine because they're okay with the law. But they are still got a problem with God. They still have to face God. And so this is that tough love. We wouldn't do it with our own kids. Why would we do it with anybody else? This is tough love that we need to say, I don't, I don't hate you, but what you're doing is not benefiting you as far as your eternity with God. And you're setting up a scenario where you're causing issues for the rest of our children. So, no, I'm not going to let you change the laws to make it harder for my children to understand who Christ is in their relationship with God. So that's not a lack of love. That's actually love so you can really see what love looks like so that you won't be in bondage anymore. And so, um, so anyway, it's just people mix that up and they really don't understand love. Love does not mean you tolerate everything. The best love you can have is be honest with people. Amen. 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 Wow. All right. <laughs> let's switch. Uh, let's go ahead. Go to uh, brother, uh, uh, Pastor Nate here. Go ahead, Pastor Nate. Uh, thank you again. I, I had this discussion with folks often. What makes you lovable? And I tell them, it, it, it's not me, but rather the Jesus in me that allows me to love you in spite of. Um, and Deborah just said it. We, we have all of these folks who want us to be agreeable and tolerable, tolerable with whatever. I can love you and not tolerate your sin. Uh, you know, when Gary was talking, he was talking about the sin, and, and when we look at that, Sin, the acronym for me is separation into nothingness. If God is everything, and since God is everything, and when I sin, I separate from everything, so I go from everything to no thing, and my truth for you in the word of love is to tell you when you have transgressed God's word. And it's really that simple for me. I, I try to be tactful, although my family and folks at church have told me, Pastor, you have no tact. And it's not that I'm trying to be mean or evil, but we don't have time to placate folks. Amen. And so it gets to the point where we simply must say, I love you, but what you're doing is a transgression of God's word, and this is how you can make those requisite changes to align yourself and be in God's will for your life. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. 
I mean, that's just more just that's just that's just the bold face truth. Now I know that uh, brother Weaver got something. Brother Mason got something very, 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 very profound. So go ahead and put it out there, brother Mason. I want to thank the pastor for his words because he was saying exactly what I was going to say uh, to that young lady. Uh, don't think that I'm going to love you so much. I'm going to let you be comfortable in your sin. Uh, That's right. Don't, don't think that. I'm going to love you so much. Loving you does not mean making you comfortable in your misery. Uh, if you run across me, you will not die not having heard the truth about what you're doing. Uh, my job is to tell you, not to convince you, uh, but I, I, I think the world wants us to accept their sin, to accept uh, their position in life, to make us compromise on our principles. And if we compromise on our principles, we don't have any. So I, I have a lot of uh, questions about that same topic. Uh, tolerate, be tolerant, be tolerant. Uh, God did not send us out to be tolerant. Amen. God did not send our disciples to, to uh, make peace. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth right between the lies. And I'm going to pray that you hear the truth and want more of it, but I'm not going to be silent. Uh, we started an organization uh, a little while ago, just started a few, few months ago, called Leave the Plantation, which is primarily a place for people who want to escape the bondage, the guilt, the depression that they're in, serving these spiritual demons out here in the world. And uh, I want to invite you folks to join us at leadtheplantation.org, and maybe we can help reach some of these people with some wise words that we're hearing on this program today. We will definitely will. I know I will. I'm going to be joined in very, very soon. Now, I want to give my um, my co-host here, which is uh, Dr. Sharon Westbrooks in here. Um, uh, sister, uh, go ahead and introduce people who you are, plus uh, you have a question. So go ahead and um, you know, introduce people who you are, everything else, okay? Well, I'm just happy to be here, and I I listened to the responses from the various speakers, and they were so profound. And one of the things I think that we as Christians have done is we've enabled the world to silence our voices. And in doing that, we fail to show God love. We misrepresent the gospel when we fail to bring it out to our unbelieving neighbors. I believe it's in Ephesians where it tells us to speak to them in love. And in speaking to them in love is not patricating the gospel and accepting everything that the world throws at us, but being truthful and standing firm in the word of God and letting them know the word because if we don't tell the world, they won't know. So we have to think strategically about how we can live out our mission to make disciples of the nation. And that is by giving them the good news of God. I think we live in a society today that wants us, when we say that we're Christians and we love, that we're supposed to accept everything that they give to us. Mm. If the saints of God had spoke up, I don't think they would have taken prayer out of the church. We, this nation had more Christians than any other type of religious organization, but we failed to speak up. We are 
just as guilty as Peter was when he denied Christ. Because when you don't speak up, you're condoning what is going on. So if we love God and we love the people, we have to convey to them what the word of God conveys. It is wrong. I heard uh, earlier someone convey, it is wrong to have same-sex marriages. That is wrong. It's totally inappropriate. It's just as inappropriate as fornication. Sin is sin, and so we have to acknowledge all of it as such. We wouldn't allow our children to walk around putting their hands in the fire just because one might put it in a little bit and the other one puts it in the whole way. No, we want their entire hand out of the fire because we don't want any of it to get burnt. So we just, the whole root of the matter is we have to love the world more than, you know, love the world, wanting the world to get saved more than just being comfortable in our in our saved environment. And I, I think that's one of the greatest ways that we can show love. Laying down our life for a friend is, it doesn't matter if they beat me, they stole me, I'm still going to give you the truth. Amen. Amen. Well, well said. Now, um, I um, do you have a question? It's from uh, Tony, and I think you got that. Am I right? Yes. Um, one of the questions that we have is on... Uh, the terms uh, that our government uh, has, you know, a term limit is a law that limits the amount of time a political representative may hold and elect a fifth office. And in the United States, the office of the president is restricted to two four-year terms. Well, the question is, should we limit terms for those that serve in the House and the Senate? Let's go ahead. That brought Gary Starr with that one. Yes. Uh, can I, I want to answer that, but can I just answer one thing to what Deborah's sister, I think, Deborah, who was just speaking? Sure, that go Deborah ahead. That just spoke, there's one thing I wanted to say because she brought up something, and I think this is just so important. She brought up about how we've been lax in our duty and uh, how things have gotten so bad because we've been silent. And I, I, I'm sure a lot of you know who uh, Pastor Tony Evans is down in Dallas. He, mm -hmm. he talks about how you don't see Satan's baited hook. Like, if you're a fish in the water, you see the worm. You don't see the hook in the worm to the to the rod, to the you know to the reel, to the rod, to the boat with the the cooking oil and the, and the uh, cornmeal waiting there. You think you're going to get dinner, you're going to become dinner. Mm -hmm. see, what what we've done is we don't see Satan's whole big picture. Like, you didn't think, okay, if one woman gets her way with an abortion, that it would lead to where we are now in fantasize. You didn't think, okay, we'll just let you have same set. You can't have marriage, but we'll let you have the benefits if you've been together with somebody the same sex for seven years. You couldn't see that becoming down the line now where men don't know if they're men and women don't know if they're women and they want to change their sex every other day and we're seeing this right now with our country with the democratic party talking about socialism isn't that bad it's not that bad yeah it doesn't it doesn't start out but look where it ends up look at cuba look at china look at russia look at, yeah. see so that's one of the problems that we've had i think is that i think people were silent because they just couldn't see it getting this bad in their lifetime or how bad it could get 
but what we what we know is it says a little leaven leavens the whole loaf, and, and it's, it, we're just totally out of control now. Thank you. Now, to answer the question, sure, there should be term limits. There shouldn't be career politicians. You should serve your term and then go back to the private sector and go back and find a job and do something to, to help your country. It should not be a circumstance and situation in which you be, become a career out of it, because then you get comfortable, and then you amass power to a degree. You become a part of the Washington Beltway. You know, you've got all these perks going on, and, and you, you know, you're getting a little bit of this and a little bit of that, because in order to stay in, you're, you're, you know, you're dealing with the lobbyists and the people. One hand's washing another. You keep kicking the can down the road, and nothing gets done. What they need, obviously, are term limits. Plus, you get burned out. You've got some guys in there, 70, 75 years. They don't belong in there. You give it, you know, get somebody in there that's got drive, initiative, understands the Constitution, and wants to do something to change this country, you know, for God, God and country and family, and, and then serve your eight years, and then get out before the system drags you in and drags you down, because that's what it's sure to do. All right. Wow. I well, love that. Well, what 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 do you say to the individuals that are proponents for the term limits, and they argue that um, each time that a vote comes, individuals have the opportunity to get rid of those career politicians? You know, this is that's a very good question, and what and what we have now, and this is what we're talking about, why we're having this discussion now. We're in a fallen society, and one of the problems we have right now is that you have a lot of people that are against the Constitution for a whole lot of reasons, right? So you have so many forces working against this Constitution that has been in place for so long now. We're reaching a point, and thank, thank God this isn't a democracy. Thank God majority doesn't rule, that, we, that, we, that we're a nation of laws, and you rule by, you know, not by my majority rules, because if the majority is 51%, Against the Constitution, they could overthrow it, and then, then we're on our way to socialism and communism. So thank God we don't have that. But that, I think the issue is, you know, we've just got to try and get the right people in. And, and, and when, it, when the, the, the right people in, when these votes come, that, that we can vote for these type of things. Because that's what we are. We're a constitutional republic. This is how we solve things. But it's getting so far out of hand now. That, that, that I think even God, you know, you can see God, God is moving now. He's sifting it. To me, it, 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 it looks like he's saying, either you're a conservative or you're a communist. There's not going to be, I'm, I'm getting rid of the, you know, Jesus, I'll spit you out of my mouth if you're lukewarm. No more lukewarmness in America. You're either going to be conservative, you're going to stand up for the Constitution, God, and family, or you're going to go with the radicals. No more of this stuff in the middle. Because too many people were hiding in the middle, and, and you can see the sift is on, and you can see everybody in the left is going far left. See, and, 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 and the constitutionalists are going to stand up for the Constitution, and it's going to be choose one or the other, and, you know, because you have these people in the middle. And that's what I'm saying, again, with the voting as far as the term limits. You, you know, we just hope to try and just get the right people in. That, that, that's all we can do it right now as the system stands. Okay, let me go ahead and ask Sister Deborah about that. Um, so, you know, I, I like the idea of, of having term limits. Because it it makes people earn the right to be there, rather than getting so comfortable there uh, that they can do whatever they want to do and nobody can touch them. Mm -hmm. We've got so much of that going on that 
it's it's like you almost have to throw you know you you almost have you have to really it's a it's a hard battle it's one way you have to fight it spiritually and every other way in order to get things to change and so if people had short-term limits then people who want to be there have to prove that they have a right to be there and in and, and it keeps things moving and, and keeps things turning over uh, the other thing I want to say is that in the, my brother's comment uh, about not seeing things coming and not realizing how bad it was going to be. That is so true, and um, and that's what has literally happened. That's the story about the frog. You know, if you put you a go. frog in cold water and you slowly turn up the temperature, he's going to stay and then eventually boil to death. But if you do it slowly, you don't see it. This is the answer also to the previous question we had about the idea that why do we need to be Christians? Because when you're Christians, instead of just making a decision on something, you pray about it, you see God, because God can foresee and knows what's going to happen. So he can tell you not to do that. And that's what helped me in my first vote, because I was trying to figure out whether I vote for Obama or not to vote for Obama. And I didn't because I said, okay, God, I don't like the idea that I have somebody that's not a Christian, although he's religious. And then I've got somebody who says he's religious, but it's not feeling right. It just doesn't, something wrong with that. And God said, you vote for me and I'll take care of you. Amen. And so instead of me voting like I would have, I voted for, I didn't vote for President Obama. I voted for, the, uh, I forgot who was running. I can't think of his name right now. I voted for him instead. And literally found out later, oh my gosh, am I glad I did not vote for President Obama because he goes against everything I believe in. Amen. He's not a Christian man. Amen. Doesn't even pretend to be, really. Not, you know, he did initially. So that's that subtleness, and that's why Christianity is so important because we have the power of God. We have the truth that he can impart to us and show us what's coming down the road. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, bro, uh, uh, Pastor Nate. Go ahead with your uh, answer. Um, yes, I'm certainly in agreement with term limits. I, I believe perhaps four terms for legislators, two terms for senators. And it's because, uh, as has been stated previously, if we can get some turnover in there, Gary said they, they do their time and they go back and, and, and work and get a job, work in their neighborhoods, their communities, and you get fresh blood flowing in, and that leads to new ideas and innovation and problem solving, and you don't have these people just waiting on the lobbyists to drop the check off every mm -hmm. year. Um, I have a couple of friends who are in the legislature now, and what I hear from them is, you know, uh, when they get elected as uh, Congress people, they spend most of their time running for re-election because it's a two-year cycle, and we need to do something to alleviate that process to the degree that we can get these people to focus on the business of the country. And so certainly I believe that. Uh, when, you know, Gary also talked about the things we, we didn't see it coming, and Deborah said the, the example, the analogy of the frog, and that's right. But I think we also have to remember that our today, what we're doing right today is a rerun for God because he's omniscient, he sees it all, he knows it all, so... What I'm doing now is his rerun, and so we need to make sure that we are lining ourselves up. And so certainly I'm in agreement with uh, the idea of term limits. Amen. 
Great. Okay, let's go ahead and get um, Brother Mason on here. Thank you very much. I'm probably the only one on this call that's against term limits. And the reason I'm against term limits is California. California has term limits at the state level, state rep, state senate, the governor. And what do you have in California? See, we think that term limits will bring in fresh blood. But in order to be elected as a state rep, you already have to be part of the system as a mayor or a, a local county exec or something. When I ran for Congress in California, the Republican Party came out against me because I wasn't part of the system. So when you, and, and same thing at the state level, we, the people believe the lie. People want to be lied to. And mm -hmm. so whoever gets turned out, you will not hear someone saying the truth. That person with the truth will not be heard on mm -hmm. the news and the media. They're only going to be hearing from the liars. So someone at the party pit, someone that the that the, the power base chooses will be the next person in line and the philosophy will never change. California when it got term limits got worse. They got more homosexuality. They got more homeless. They got more welfare. They got more illegal aliens. And now California has a supermajority of new left Democrats in the House and the Senate, a supermajority and, and, and Conservative Christians cannot do a thing in California. So we have term limits. I'm afraid you're going to have a nationwide California. Well, let, I just want to um, let's uh, clearly define what we're conveying when we express terms. Uh, we know that there are two-year terms, there are six-year terms, but we're speaking of like with the President of the United States. He can only serve two four-year terms period. He yeah. cannot run again or anything like that. So when we speak of terms, we know that every, every you know, that there's a cycle of terms for that they have each time there's a That's vote. California. That's California. Right. That's, you only that's run two terms board. for state rep and two times for Senate. Oh, period. They can't period. run again. No, okay. period. You, okay. you, you can, if you're elected as a state rep, you can only serve a total of 14 years till you go to the Senate. And you're out. You're done. Wow. And that's the that's, and you got more and more of the same Democrat, liberal, low left stuff in power because it entrenches a philosophy. Because no matter who is going to run, that, the person who runs for his seat is chosen by the power base, chosen by the, 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 the lobbyists, is chosen by the system. So your, your heir is already chosen before you are turned out. And you go to retirement after 14 years, and somebody, usually your assistant or your chief of staff or someone else will run, and the press will only tell that story. And if Casper Weinberg, I'm sorry, if Casper Stockham stands up in the community, the community will not hear what he is saying because the media will not talk about what he is saying. Mm. Happened to me, happened to him, and that's what's going to happen across this nation. What's going to happen with term limits has to be an educated population wow. aware of the issues and voting God's principles. I have a proposal every election time. Take your Bibles to the voting booth. Put the ballot on the Bible. Vote as a Christian, not a union member, not a employer, not a white person, a black person. You expect these politicians to put their hand on the Bible, so you put the ballot on the Bible and let your politicians, based on God's principles, not the political viewpoint of some media mogul. Amen. That's Can powerful. Can I uh, ask a question of Mason? Sure, go ahead. This is Gary. Yeah, Mason, because uh, I live here in New York, 
so I kind of understand where you're coming from. I just want to like just get up, get up, you know, because we both have your left coast, you know, left coast and east coast. They both, you know, if it wasn't for God's grace and mercy, I call it left coast and least coast. Right, she's going, she's going, she's going, she's going the Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean. But my question is, my question is because see, uh, you've been involved in politics. Do you, could this just be an anomaly that New York and California, because they're just radical left? That those two states, even if you had two-year terms, they're going to they're going to continue to do that. Could it work? Do you think in the rest of the country, and that New York and California may just be the radical exceptions? It, it's been my experience in politics, same way in churches, by the way, mm-hmm. that you have coalitions, mm-hmm. they have a philosophy, and they're all seeking power. They're all seeking to be in, in, in head of the of the choir or head of the usher board on the committee to pick the next pastor. And those coalitions will always be in power. And they tell you how to vote, and we follow the leader. So California is not an anomaly. California is just an incubation stage of what the rest of the nation is doing. They're changing our minds. Look at right now, man. I mean, 10 years ago, no one would think that a man can go into a woman's bathroom. No one would think that. 10 years ago, you, you have now... A philosophy, and no one. By the way, most of us disagree with that. Right. It's becoming the law of the land because the noise, the noise. Well, well, is it because of the noise? And this isn't my next question, but I just want to piggyback on this. Is it because of the noise, or is it because of the lack of the voice of the Christians to stand up and fight? For what is right. Because we don't vote as Christians. We don't vote as Christians. What I'm saying is, in our communities, since you're saying you're being, uh, the monopoly is, is, is pushing you to the side, have you went to the religious leaders in that particular community? Uh, Sector and gathered together. See, we're we're so we're not wait, unified wait, as Christians. Leaders are, we're we're are, not unified as Christians. They're liberals. No, no, I'm I'm not talking about liberals or Democrats. I'm speaking from the perspective of we're we are saints of God. So have we tried to rally the saints of God together? I mean, it's yeah, the, the course, world does a great. Of course we do. No, no, we don't. I don't. I don't we, think so because the world active, is doing a great active, job. But we are, we are separated. We cannot work together. We don't work together. I don't see where churches come together on anything as a church. Maybe some coalition of pastors in a corner over here, but I have not seen in my 69 years where the church comes together as a church to do anything, nothing. You've got, a, you've got pastors with 5,000 in the congregation, and they can go speak across town somewhere, and the congregation will not follow them. So we, I, I, the church is one thing, but the Christians... The Christians in the street, the Christians in the home, the Christians going to work every day, the Christians who see their taxes being misused, the Christian individuals, individuals, not the pastors, not the rich, not the leaders, but the individual man and woman in that family watching their kids go to those unsaved public schools, inner city gang prep schools. That's what the movement has to be. The church is watered down. You have you have atheist pastors now. Yeah. Atheist pastors look at this church. You got churches in LA passing out condoms. And nobody's condemning that. The, the good pastors you talk about are not speaking out against that. They're not, they're not, coming to, not, not even condoning it. So the church, I, I think, is lukewarm now. It's going to take Christians to do something. 
And we, I think we saw that the last election. Uh, first time in my life I've seen so many people praying to God on their face over that election last time. And I'm hoping again in 2020 that we get on our face before God and ask for leadership instead of, instead of trying to make folks comfortable in their sins. Amen. Go ahead. Go ahead. I wanted to go ahead. Go ahead, Gary. Dan, we're going to go ahead. Okay, this ties in to everything we've been talking about. See, we've given away too much of the store. See, we've given away too much of the store. We've given them abortion. We've given them same-sex marriage. We've given them, we've allowed them to take prayer out of school. We've allowed them to take the Bible and prayer out. The parents, teachers, it should have been, yeah, you may take the Bible out, but I'm taking my kid out. See, and the problem it's created, the bigger problem, it goes back, here I go again, to the garden where, where, where the snake separated Eve and Adam, and he was sitting there listening while his wife was being tempted. And he was right there because the Bible specifically says, and he ate with her husband that was with her. A- Adam was right there right. when she Absolutely. was being tempted. Where are our fathers? Now, what has happened is Satan has done the same thing. He never changes his mode. He has split up Christian families. And the, the toughest thing to me, when I got saved in 1997, the, the toughest thing before I could really truly be born again was dealing with that scripture, and it's all over. Jesus said it three times where I didn't come to make peace. I came to bring a sword to divide families, and the members of your own family will be your own enemies. And what has happened is a lot of Christian parents have bent, buckled, and allowed Satan to twist their ability to stand firm and stand on the Holy Spirit of God. I'll give you one big example. When, when, when the kids started having sex, and the pastors of the churches and the schools wanted to hand out condoms, and I'm trying to tell parents, look, you can't get involved in your parents' in your kids' sin. And they're saying, but my daughter's going to get pregnant. I said, you do what God wants you to get on your knees and pray, but when you face God, he's going to ask you, what have you done in light of the revelation I gave you? Not the revelation I gave your kid, the revelation I gave you as parents. I've seen a lot of parents and a lot of pastors and a lot of people buckle. They buckled because they didn't want to turn their family against them, and they were afraid of losing their kid. Or what may happen if my kid ends up on the street? You've got to do the right thing and put it in the hands of God. And Satan's just been doing that over and over and over and over. And that's why we find ourselves in this place where we can't vote right, we can't get the right, the right people in there, because we've given away so much of the store, we don't even know which way is up. All Let right. The church say amen. Amen. Okay, let's do this here. Let's go ahead and go to Brother Casper. Get Brother Casper, go ahead and chime in because I know I can smell it that you got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think we're we're getting things a little. Uh, um, um, we're combining two things that are like oil and water. They're really not um, connected together. So uh, we have the, the, the sin piece and all that, but term limits is, is a pretty straightforward deal. Um, I agree with Mason to some degree. However, um, I don't think term limits, uh, uh, Colorado has a lot of problems, and term limits I don't think is the bulk of their problem. Because um, Colorado, uh, um, California, Colorado has term limits as well for the state reps. Um, but to the sister's question, the definitely should be term limits in D.C., but even then there's going to be a problem because even if you term limit the congressmen and senators, you still have uh, the uh, um, 
Um, yeah, you still have the chief, the um, the Supreme Court that is not term limited, and you also have the biggest problem is going to are going to be the aides and the people that are career um, uh, um, career workers in the system. So even if a congressperson leaves, the new congressperson goes to D.C. and they have a pool of people. They say, "Yeah, we'll just you go down to the pool and." And grab you one of those aids and stuff, and and the aid is the problem. Yeah. So the aid infects the new congressperson with a bunch of foolishness, and it just starts all over again. They say, "Oh, congressman, you don't want to do that because if you do that, then such and such is going to happen, and then you're not going to get the money from the pack over here and this and that." So, so it needs to be uh, more of a, a the whole process needs to be term limited. So that good men and women can go in there, serve, and get the heck out of there before they get corrupted. Um, but you know, so so we can vote those people out. But the majority of the population is is um, well. First of all, the majority of Americans don't vote. <laughs> okay, so, you know, so even if we wanted to vote somebody out, the typical um, the incumbent winds up staying in there. Because most people are apathetic to the whole process, and they don't even participate. Mm. So if they were woke and, and voting Christian, like uh, I think Mason said, take your Bible to the polls. If Christians, okay, here, here's the bottom line. If just Christians showed up at the voting booth, we would not be having the problems that we have in America. Amen. If Christians showed up, forget about the rest of the population, Christians don't even show up to vote. And if that happened, we would not have the problems and the, the, the stuff going on in California, the stuff happening here now in Colorado, the stuff happening around our nation in New York and some of the other places would not be happening if Christians showed up. I got something to say. I want to chime in. Then we're going to go ahead and go to this question here in a few minutes. But um, I want to uh, say a couple of things here. Because of term limits and in the whole purposes on that. Now, me personally, no, term limits could be used two ways. And I think Brother Casper said very well. But also, too, I want to put in, I want to pick it back on a couple of things here. And also, I want to pick it back with what a lot of you guys are saying. Um, me personally, I think that term limits should be inactive into a way that needs to be that of the mindset that goes back to what brother we uh brother uh, uh macy was saying because i think that a lot of people miss this quote here they miss a whole lot of things here which that makes a lot of things going on with christians and that is that term you no know, people hear about term limbs they hear about these things but in a, in a, uh in the real world and i'm saying this in in, in the way that people are chiming in through a lot of places here in the real world term limits is not ideal but what's ideal is that the the, the re-education of people because a lot of people don't even understand some of the things that we are coming across like I'm going to give you an example here um, one of the persons did ask a question I'm going to talk about it in a few minutes and they said well term if term limits is not really a catalyst that I'm looking for I'm looking for work where can I be re-educated to be able to do what I need to do as a Christian? That's one of the things that's really, really the big, big, huge premises of why people want to know what their whole goal is, is 
What is it that you guys are saying what we need to do as Christians to go out there to vote? Like bro, uh, Mesa said, you need to bring your Bible with you. And a lot of people don't even read the Bible. And you got people in body, who claim to be in the body of Christ right now, claim to be something they are not. They are tears into the body. And, they, and you know what it says in the Bible about the we and the tear. They have to grow together. And when you got to grow, you got to understand what we have against. And that is people who claim to be something they pretend so hard. But what, what happened? They don't even know what, what they pretend. Just like what's going on with the world. So the world got issues. That's, that's true. But we also got issues in the body that need to be rectified. And I, I commend brother uh, Mason and all y'all what you're saying about term limits but term limits got to be an educational thing we need to re-educate people about why are you a christian then like bro like everybody said the main reason why we christians because of the blood of jesus christ once we get that straight now we need to be able to tell the people okay now you got that now you're being disciple now we need to go into this this way this is why we vote with the way we vote. The Bible. It's not because you the person. You got pastors now, brother, that won't even do politics in the pulpit because they're afraid of the IRS. No, so I know. Yeah, you're right. And I, I, I agree with you. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm, we're going to talk about that in a minute here. And this is something I'm going to bring up just a second here. This is a comment, but also is a question. We got a question from someone from Memphis. Um, from one of our stations from my John the Radio, and they want to know how to become a Christian conservative. But I want to put this stipulation here on this this question. Um, the, the the thing is, is that, and this is go back what um, Sister Sharon was saying. The body, people in the body of Christ, that this is what they do, and this is something you said, brother, uh, uh, brother Weaver, right here. They, it's people are afraid to lose their 501 and 503C thing, which is, a, I don't tell you how that's developed, and people probably don't know the history of it, but I found out by digging into this a little bit more. The, the or they're 172 as a Christian organization. Right. But not, not a liberal Christian organization. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. But the, this is the thing here. This is who developed that. And a lot of people don't even know it, but this is a big, huge development. This person did this. And the main reason why he did it because he wanted to control the church. And that was Lyndon B. Johnson. Lyndon B. Johnson did this because he knew that he needed to put in the um, the uh, uh, act so, so the pulpit will not vote against. So the, so the pulpit will be silent. So the main reason why that he put that out there with these things that happened through the IRS is to control the church. Now, if you know Libby B. Johnson's history, he is one of the most racist uh, uh, Democrats that became, uh, that ever lived. And um, what he and it's more though, but with, he's one of them. But the thing is, is that what he did was he put that stipulation in, so he was out of the church. So the church will have to make sure that they don't say nothing. To really uh, uh, um, put into terms of what the Bible had to say about these sins that's going on, and especially politicians. So that's why the question from Tony from Memphis asked how to become a Christian conservative. 
because let, let me let me ask that real, real quick. It's not even. I mean, I won't take very long at all. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I ran for Congress, I raised more money in nine months than my church raised in a year, and not one dime of my money was tax deductible. The churches are afraid of the five hundred one as if people won't give unless they get a tax write off for for giving. It's 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 nonsense and it's making the church lame. These pastors should give up their tax exempt status and raise their money and take care of their business Amen. and preach the gospel their own way. The IRS cannot stop a pastor from speaking politics, but they can take away a tax status. So give up the tax status, pastors, and start preaching the word of God and depend and depend on God to fund your ministry. Okay, so let me ask uh, uh, Sister Deborah about that. Amen. I agree with 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 Brother Mason. Uh, my goodness, you know, um, the uh, becoming a Christian conservative that that almost it's almost like okay, what's the problem? Why is that a challenge? First of all, becoming a Christian is pretty straightforward. You pray a prayer of salvation. You accept Christ in your life. You live by the Word of God. So that's Christian. You will. If you follow the word of God, you will become a conservative because that is what Christ is all about. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm almost baffled as what do you mean? How do you become? That's like, I just don't know. I mean, I'm going to say, how do I, how do I accept Christ in my life? Mm-hmm. You might as well just ask me that. And I'll tell you, you, you know, pray the prayer of salvation. It's in, it's in the word of God. And walk you through the steps. So I guess the question itself throws me off mm-hmm. because I don't understand where the challenge is. I, and and let, me, I, I, let me let me say that I I didn't mean to interrupt uh, anything else, but I'm glad you asked that that good question. And I'm gonna talk to Brother Nathan. I want you to answer this, uh, Sister Deborah, if you can. I believe why he asked this question and this is the main reason why he asked it and i'm i hope i'm wrong i hope i'm wrong about this tony if you're listening and everything else but i'm going to go ahead and hopefully i sum it up the way that he uh put it on the chat and okay i got here he got i got what he said here now this is what he's saying he's saying it's because he has so many people in the body of christ claim to be a christian conservative but they don't act upon it that's why he asked that question understood and 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 that is the reason why that happens is because people have different different definitions of what a christian is mm-hmm. when there isn't different definitions and we have established that early on that you if you are a christian you are in christ you've accepted christ in your life and you're following the word of God. There are people who say they're Christians, but they don't follow the word of God. And and when you follow the word of God, the Holy Spirit is active in your life, leading you and directing you. So it's not your life, it's Christ's life through you. Amen. 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 That's beautiful. Uh, can I say something? Go ahead, go ahead, Gary. Yeah. Uh... I think this is a big problem for a lot of people because they look at people who call themselves Christians and 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 a lot of the people that a lot of the people that we may know call themselves Christians are not conservative. I I was 40 the first 47 years of my life 
I was in predominant churches with predominantly black congregations of people claiming to be Christians where the pastor would preach everything right, he'd rail against abortion, say same-sex marriage is wrong, and then he'd bring up all the Democratic Party candidates and say, these are our Democratic Party friends, make sure you vote for them. See, mm-hmm. and part of the problem is when you look, especially among, if you're looking among, uh, uh, you know, a black people, many of who claim to be Christian, 90% vote for Democrats. So this is very confusing to people, so I think it's important for them to understand what somebody is. Christians are known by our fruit. It's not what you say, it's what you do. Okay, to us, being a Christian conservative is a redundant. It's like saying, okay, how do I become a New York Jet football player and not a New York Giant? Very simple. Put on the uniform and run the jet plays. Don't run the plays of the other team. If you want to run the plays of the other team, go play for them. What's our playbook? In the Garden of Eden, two covenants, the sanctity of life. You can't take it. The sanctity of marriage, to be between one man and one woman. You go against those two, you're going against God. What does he say in Romans about government? Small government. Government is only supposed to protect the people and enforce Law. There's nothing about government running things. What does Christ give you? He gives you freedom, freedom to enterprise. God wants you to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Nobody's allowed to take what you earn and give it to somebody else. See, so you, if you follow, as, as my sister said, if you follow the playbook, the Christian playbook, the Word of God, it will automatically steer you into conservatism because that's what God is. And it's not really conservative, it's right. Amen. Because God, as we started this conversation, God is truth. And if God says abortion's wrong, it's wrong. If he says same-sex marriage is wrong, it's wrong. If he says thou shalt have no other God before me, it's wrong. If he says government is supposed to be small and not infringe on the, on, on, on the people, you know, anything else is wrong. And everything that we see, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. You wouldn't want somebody taking half of what you work for and giving it to somebody else that may not even be a Christian. It's not rocket science. But see, if you have Christ in your heart, if you're really born again, which means you were born from the inside out, where God has changed you from the inside out, you're automatically, like all of us, the one thing we have in common, I know most of us, we were Democrats, and as soon as we became Christians, as soon as we became truly a part of the body of Christ, we did a complete 180 because it's only natural. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's, that's well said. Um, brother, uh, Pastor uh, Nathan, I want you to chime in on this, that question. Well, thank you, and I think uh, both Gary and Deborah have, have stated it, stated the obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, it, it, it's it's a redundant statement in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, a conservative Christian, if we are going to adhere to God's word, we are automatically going to be conservative in our actions, our deeds, and our thoughts. But we can even relate our conservative Christianity back to the last question where it comes into term limits, uh, and you yourself were talking about uh, we need to educate folks, and I agree. And I think if, in fact, we do a good job of educating people in love, telling them the truth as Christians do, and that's the lovable piece of us, right? If we do that, then term limits become... Uh, automatic, if you will, because there's a, an, an individual in our particular district who is not living up 
to the principles and guidelines of God's word. Casper said if just Christians would vote, we'd be better off. If just Christians voted, and these individuals who are not living up to God's word, they're going to be out. We'll have automatic term limits based on the word of God, and we have to make sure that we are sending and sharing God's word as it is. Uh, You know, you hear people all the time talk about, uh, well, my interpretation is, and somebody else will say, my interpretation is, and so what I say to them is, no, that's your opinion. There's only one interpretation, and that comes from the Holy Spirit. Everybody else has an opinion. Amen. And so we need to make sure that through education, both biblically and politically, folks understand what's going on. You are already conservative. Now live your conservative values, which simply means you must live according to the Word of God. In my mind, it's just that simple. Amen. All right. That's powerful. Okay. Let's go ahead and go to Brother um, uh, Mason about that question. I I believe that we should not have pastoral leaders. Every person should be the leader in their home. I am the high priest in my home. Uh, If anything goes wrong in my home, it is my fault. Amen. Uh, I say on the radio. Amen. Amen. I said that my wife could do nothing to get me to divorce her. There's nothing she can do to get me to divorce her because I have recognized she is a gift from God to me. And doing that, saying that, proclaiming that to your woman makes her little more at ease. She's not worried about doing something wrong or you leave her. And she can relax a little more. And now you can raise your kids with a high priest in the home and guard them. And now I have other men in my neighborhood. We stand shoulder to shoulder with the same belief system, so now our neighborhood is Christian-based. When I leave my home, I'm, I mean, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. Ask Casper. I mean, I'm in, you can't see my house from the street. But when I leave my home, my children and wife are protected by the men because we have the same faith, the same value. It's an individual thing. It's not a pastoral thing. I got two pastors on my street. I don't go to their church. But we have a Christian base in our, in our education I homeschool my kids, and, you know, the, the world is going the wrong way. This is why we have a, a stairwell to heaven, but a highway to hell. Mm. Amen. That- but, I'm sorry, i got to jump in here. <laughs> I, I, I have to. I, I can't hold back. Yeah. Mason, God bless you, man. From where you came, man, you, this is a Paul experience, man. From where you came, because I know from where you came, you know, I don't, I don't, I know you're my, one of my Facebook friends. We've talked. I don't know you personally, but I know people that had your background. They were in Newark, New Jersey. They were all over the place in New York. I grew up around people like this, and I know, I know the background. And, yep. oh, I'm, a wonderful work that God has done in you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just so proud of you and so proud Thank of the you. work of the Holy Spirit. You know, because you've got it right. The man, the head of the household, that's where the feminist movement has wrecked too many Christian homes because too many Christian women have fell for the, de- the devil's lie about feminism, turning them against God. You have it right. God, husband, wife, children, homeschooling, all of it. Everything you're saying is, 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 is just a blessing. I just hope we can get this out to, to people because they need to hear this because they don't really think there's a lot of people like us that really exist. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, I, I'm gonna um, let me go ahead. Well, I'm gonna jump on and let Brother Casper then. I'll let Sister Sharon chime in in a minute. But uh, but I want to make this one statement. Now, me personally, what Brother Mason did and what I am, me personally did. I won't say this. You know, as a uh, as you know, as a man who was a adulterer, sin, you name it. Everything that was a sin, I was in it. Just to be honest, before God rescued me, and when I mean I rescued me, me oh yeah, all of us. When He rescued me, He took me through something that I never knew He gonna take me through, and that was being born again. Now I am not the same person that was years ago, but to, to be honest with you, when I realized my stake as a man of the home, meaning that I am head of this home. God called me to be head of my home. That means that I am the priest, pastor, everything in this home. Then my wife is my, she's my help me. And my son, I home, we homeschool our son. I mean, Amen. and the thing is, is that the main reason why God called us to home, and I'm going to say this, and we're going to talk about this question here, uh, Sister Sharon, in a minute, but I'm going to say this statement. It took a lot of, of of a person like myself, like Brother Mason, and even some of us here, that the sacrifice that we did, that God called us to sacrifice self, die to self, for what? His glory, not our own, His glory, because God's glory is much more defined than our own. So I wanted to uh, chime on that. I have to I have to get on that one because I understand what Brother Mason went through and I we I went through it too and my son graduated as a senior but he he's the one create all the stuff that we're doing right now he helped me did this so that tell you and he's autistic and that's another thing that God did. man that's a that's a blessing right there and that's just profound now brother Casper go ahead I I I, I took too much time so go ahead brother Casper <laughs> yeah. So, uh, first of all, I wanted to give a shout out to my wife who is on the line, been on the line the whole time. I'm sorry. Crying. I'm sorry, Cheryl. She, she, no, no, no. She, she's a powerful woman of God, but she's been you know, quiet the whole time. Anyway, um, I, the reason why, um, if we're still on the, the conservative Christian um, question here, mm -hmm. the reason why we wind up being conservative is because it lines up with the word better than any... Um, political, uh, and it's not even Republican, really, because Republicans have gone off the off the rails. Mm -hmm. It's more the conservative um, philosophy that lines up with the word. And when you are in line with the word, it's easier. When when a man is lined up with the word, it's easier for his woman to follow him. Amen. It's very difficult if it, if a Christian woman has a, a man that is out of alignment because she has to take her eyes off of God to follow that crazy man. So, so, but if he's if he's lined up with the word, then she doesn't have to take her eyes off of God at all. She sees God through her husband, and everybody's in alignment. And because um, uh, um, um, conservatism comes also in alignment with the word, we as as um, um, in the political realm, we don't have to take our eyes off of off of conservatism. See, because if we say that we you know, I rarely call myself a Republican. I call myself conservative more than I call myself Republican, even though I'm registered that way. Because Republican 
platform can go off script. It can go Amen. off the word. Amen. Just like the Democrat Party has gone off the word. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Christian and you're following the Democrat Party platform, you are literally taking your eyes off of God. And that's why they're having the problems they're having with abortions and everything else that's going on. So, so to the, the person that asked the question, uh, uh, how, uh, you know, how do you become uh, uh, conservative and Christian? All you have to do is become Christian and be in alignment, and you will automatically be conservative. Amen. All right. I, I, I want to apologize to Sister Cheryl. Uh, so I'm sorry, but I should introduce Sister Cheryl because that is Brother Casper's beautiful wife. Uh, if she's there, how you doing? I want to hear your voice once time, and I know you probably have something to say. <laughs> if she can, uh, you know, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I'm no. You owe me no apology. I was, <laughs> I was not anticipating saying anything. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's quite okay. Okay, okay. I appreciate your words of, of of kindness. Okay, no problem. I just wanted to I, I want to just just make sure I got everybody in, but <laughs> I have to. You know that. But uh, way, um, Sister Sharon, go ahead with your uh, question. If you have anything to chime in, go ahead and do that right now. Okay, great. Um, I just wanted to read something from James Garfield, and it will segue into the question. Um, he was the 20th president of the United States, and one of the, way, the things that he said was, now more than ever, and this was during his time, the people are responsible for the character of their Congress. If that body be ignorant, reckless, and corrupt, it is because the people tolerate ignorance, recklessness, and corruption. If it be intelligent, brave, and pure, it is because the people demand these high qualities to represent them in the national legislature. So what characteristics do we want to see from and in our politicians that represent us today? Let's go ahead and chime in with uh, Pastor Nathan. Thank you again, and and please. And and one one caveat with that: mm -hmm. do we in in what the characteristics that we want to see in the people that represent us? Should we just vote straight down party line? What should we do? Okay, um, take the Bible to the polls. <laughs> <laughs> Praise Amen. the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Mm -hmm. um, what I was going to say, the first thing I wanted to say is, is my name is Nathan. It's not Pastor Nathan. Mama didn't name me Pastor. Okay, okay, Nathan. Nathan. Okay, okay. Thank you, mm -hmm. thank you. I'm not hung up on titles. I, you know, I, I, I get that all the time from <laughs> some other things that I do. But okay. um, in terms of characteristics in the elected officials that we have, um, I would simply like to see, first of all, uh, truthfulness and integrity. I certainly would like to see these individuals uh, hold firm to whatever it is they say. As, as we all know, they will say one thing at 9 this morning, and by 5.30 this afternoon, they're saying the complete opposite. But I think integrity and character, uh, standing up in terms of their character, uh, is what I'd like to see, because when they do that, we're going to see biblical values come forth. Uh, it, it, it keeps going back 
over it to me, man. And, and, you know, we talk about these men and women who are in these positions in uh, whether it's state, local, or even national politics. And I think we've, I think what we've done is misconstrued their role. We keep calling them leaders, and they're not leaders, or they shouldn't be. They should be servants mm-hmm. who are representatives mm-hmm. of the people who sent them to these various places. And so I'd just like to see more integrity, more honesty, and more transparency. Those are the things that I would really like to see. Wow. Uh, you said better than that. You took the words right out of my mouth, Nate. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, uh, Brother Weaver. Go ahead, Brother Mason. Go ahead. Well, one of the criteria I would love to see in a politician is a genuine, genuine, bone-shearing fear of God Almighty. I want to see some folks standing up. You know, I, I have two questions that I ask every politician that I meet. Mm-hmm. What issue will you stand on if you are certain even if you are certain it will lose you the election, what issues will you stand on knowing that stance will cause you the election? It's called integrity. The second question I asked them, what issue facing us today that you believe does not require a government solution? Because, buddy, it seems like everything around us today requires our government to lead us and to work for us. I believe that God Almighty has disallowed liberals to lie to us. I believe that liberals cannot lie to us. God reveals what they think and what they say if you pay attention to what they're saying. When they call you a name, they're calling you what they are. They call you mean. They call you violent, intolerant. They call you homophobic. They call you nasty. They call you, every, and the things they're calling you, you know it's them. Mm-hmm. They're the ones intolerant. They're the ones hateful. They're the ones, they're the ones racist. You know, my, my new book came out on 19th. The Democrat Party hates America. They hate children. They hate uh, prosperity. They hate everything that you love. So what I want to see in a politician is one that recognizes that God Almighty is his creator. And he, he is and will be nothing without him. And I don't care who attacks him. I don't care, or her. I don't care who comes against him. I want a politician that represents my value. My value is based on God Almighty, and it was given to me at the cross. And that's what I want. I don't want to compromise with it. I don't want to find common ground. I don't want, I want to find some safe place, some safe space. I, I'm a proud, toxic, masculine man. <laughs> and I, I love my guns, I love my Bible, I love my children, I love my country. And that's what I, what I want to see in my politicians. Amen. I love you, man. <laughs> what? what <laughs> Get in the car. We're <laughs> 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 down here. Oh, Lord. Okay, uh, Brother Gary, Brother Gary. <laughs> okay, here we go. Put on your put on your chin strap. Okay. Uh, the biggest, the greatest thing I think we need to do right now, as, as as Christians in the body of Christ, is pray. We need to get on our knees and tell God we screwed this up and we've messed this thing up, and we've given away way too much of the store. They they put in cultural Marxism. They have control of the media. They have control of Hollywood. They have control of the unions. They've had control of our schools. God is out of the workplace, the government, and and out and out of our schools. Our colleges are all socialists. 
Everything right now is Marxist, socialist. The whole left is totally, from the media on down and all their politicians, it's all about trying to overthrow the Constitution of the United States because without that, you can't get socialism. If Hillary Clinton had become president and she had gotten to name the judges and gotten the Supreme Court, abortion, would, everything would be, they just rubber stamp the Johnson Amendment, Christian conservatives would be gone, this Equality Act, which would make it hate speech to even say something about a same-sex marriage couple. You know, the whole thing would be finished. We have given away so much of the store. We need to pray to God to level this, help us level this playing field, which is what I believe Donald Trump is doing by taking on the unholy trio, liberalism, political correctness, which is cultural Marxism and the disingenuous mainstream media. Until you get the level playing field, you can't get real politicians because the media is going to lie to you. And as Mason said, the theater system is all corrupt. So it's hard to get a true Christian man into the feeder system because he's going to be cut at his knees before he even gets a chance. So the first thing we have to do is pray to God to try and help us level the playing field and get us back to where we're at least even, where we can really run Christian candidates or candidates of integrity and candidates of honesty. So right now, to me, it's just trying to settle for somebody who really understands the Constitution it was based on Judeo-Christian values and understand it's under assault. And if that constitution goes down, we go down as a country. Here's how simple it is. If you notice right now in the House of Representatives, no longer so help you God. Okay? Mm-hmm. See, with, with the Ten Commandments, like when Roy Moore stood in front of the Alabama court and said, I dare you to take the Ten Commandments off my wall. You're going to have to do it by running. Every pastor in Alabama should have been up there with him. See, and what's happened now, they've gotten God out of everything so much that if the left gets in God we trust, if they ever got the courts where they could get that off our money, hey, look at the schools. Parents ask me all the time, why isn't God protecting our kids? I said, you expelled them from the schools. He's not in the schools. He doesn't protect our kids there anymore. Take him off the money and watch what happens to our economy with China holding the debit notes. Mm-hmm. See, that's how close we are to losing this. Wow. So my answer is, we got to pray to God to help us. This is beyond us now. We have given away too much of the store. Do we have to vote on party lines? Yes. I, don't, I agree it's not about the Republicans. It's about we've got to stop this communist takeover here. We've got to totally destroy and stop the left. We can't let them in. They vote in lockstep, and they're out to try and destroy this country. They hate God, and they hate America. They want a socialist, communist America. We can't let them have it. God will help us. We've got to pray and then work to get the best possible candidates we can. Get constitutional people in there. Anybody, as everybody said, of integrity, of an integrity and honesty, if you can find them. But right now, just get the best you can get and start leveling this playing field because we're, we're, playing, we're, playing, we're playing from behind right now. Amen. Brother Casper. Yes, I have a, a simple, uh, I'm a simple man, so I have a simple question to ask politicians. And it's, uh, who do you serve? Mm. That's it. And if they don't know the answer to that question, it tells me everything I need to know. To right. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, well, how about, okay, if you don't know who you serve, do you at least uh, support the Constitution? Because you take an oath of office, especially in the military and, in, and when you uh, swear in the Congress, you're going to take an open office to defend the Constitution. So show me any, any point in your life where you had defended 
the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Third, or any other amendment in the Constitution. And uh, if they can't show me that, then they're definitely not somebody that I want to vote for or, or, or support. Amen. Well, I know for a fact, if I was living in Colorado right now, this is me, and I'm saying this. If I was there, and I'm in your district, Brother Casper, I would vote for you because I know you. <laughs> I know your stance in, about the Bible and the Constitution. I'm not saying this because you're on the air, but it's the truth about you that your fruit shows. And that's really um, a lot of people miss is the fruits that people bring about when it comes to the Bible. So I want to commend you for that. So let's go ahead and switch gears here and say, uh, Sister Deborah, go ahead and chime in on that. You know, um, my thing is that uh, I believe that we all have to be sold out to Christ. We've got to. Uh, and so any politician, to me, that's what I want to know. I want to know about their relationship with Christ. I want to know how they are with the Word. I want to know, are they spending time with God? How are they flowing in the Holy Spirit? Because in this day and time, you've got to have discernment. And we can only get that discernment from the Lord. And so other than that, we're going to be still kind of doing our own thing and guessing our way through it. We don't have time to guess our way through it. And even like what we were talking about, like the term limit, you know, what, what uh, Brother Mason shared, I hadn't even thought about term limits like that. And it's like, oh, my gosh. So then what that told me was that term limits is not the problem. Mm -hmm. It's a symptom of the problem. Right. And if we go, yes, we have to deal with some symptoms, but if we just focus on symptoms, we're not fixing the problem. Right. And so we've got the wrong people up there because the wrong people are behind them. Mm. And so it's like, okay. And like I t told them in the, in the Republican Party, I said, you've got to understand something. The only reason I follow Republicans to a point is because they have not taken God out of their platform yet. Amen. But the day that they do, I no longer support them because I'm here because of Christ, not because of being Republican. you got to understand that. Amen. And we have to be sold out to God with every ounce of our being so that even if we're wrong in something, we're willing to admit it and move in the right direction. Amen. We've got to be able to take that correction from God because this, and, and, and uh, I think Mason said this too, about the enemy you know, the enemy will reveal himself if we, if we look at it. He clearly tells you who he is. The attacks that they make against us is literally what they're doing. Amen. And it's very clear. But a relationship with God is what I look for because then all of the character of God comes into play in that person's life. Amen. Well said. Um, I'm going to chime on this. I got to because something comes up this is going to be segue to this next question here and i'm going to put this out here and get y'all input about this um me personally i'm more than just want to ask questions i want to see your fruits um Ooh. the thing about me i don't like is that people always going to you know try to paticate or to say um some things here that is re relatively to um, let's say, for instance, like they trying to get you to like, uh, say, I am a Christian. I just like you. 
I just like this. I like that. Everything else. We had that same way with the mayor of South Bend, uh, the guy from uh, uh, um, from Verma, the uh, the the person over there in New York, the other one from Massachusetts. I don't name these people because I know their whole premises is is that they're trying to persuade to get a vote. But I don't want you to persuade me to get a vote. I want to see what your life is. And if it doesn't show by your actions, I'm not going to vote for you. I could go and right. research you all day, all night. And you can't trust things on the net because there's another thing. And I, I talked to someone today about this. He trusts everything that was going on with the mainstream media. And I, I look at him and he's 28 years old. I look at him. I said, who told you that these are true? He said, because they said it, and they broadcast it all the time. I said, bro, 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 that's not true. They lying to you. And he said, how? Then I asked him, do you know about civets? He said, what's that? That tells me a whole lot what's going on here. Because he did not know anything about what the, the main criteria of what our government, how it runs. He think that uh, President Trump is there um, as a... Uh, that's the one who make the laws. I said, no, he don't make laws. He enforce the laws. You see, the who make the laws is the people in the House of Representatives, which uh, uh, put me into this last of uh, this this next question here, and um, I want to put this out here. You got in in the last uh, election cycle that just happened in 2018. You have. Most of the people in the House of Representatives are women. Okay? And the, most of these women are there, if you notice their background, majority of them are Democrats. These Democrats, women, that's in the House, that just got elected, takes majority of the, of, of the House of Representatives. And what they are passing are the things that are not biblical. So I want to ask this question here, and I want to ask the women this question here first. What do you think when you see another person that is that another a woman who is saying they are a woman just like you? They are doing things for your benefit, like abortion. Talk about your women's uh 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 reproductive rights and uh, to allow homosexuals to do what they want to do or to go ahead and just get rid of all of men as they can but trying to make a government that's more feminist. What do you say to those women that doesn't speak to you as a child guy? I'm going to start with uh, Sister Sharon first. I'm sorry. I was trying to get my I was I was trying to get my uh, uh, phone off of mute. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, um, your question is dealing with individuals that are saying that they are doing something for uh, the women populace, mm -hmm. but the reality is they are self-serving individuals that are serving the master that they serve not the God that I serve. So anyone that goes against the word of God, I can't condone what they convey, and I speak against it 
wholeheartedly. Amen. 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 I mean, amen. Sister Deborah, what you got to say? I, about I, that? And let me let me just let okay. me just say this. You know, a lot of people um, say that well, everybody has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is, you know, everybody should be happy. So. To me, when the Supreme Court discovered a right to abortion in the Constitution, their decision privileged the mother's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness at the expense of her child's right to the same. And so when you look at it, when the court discovered to remove prayer from schools and a right to same-gender marriage, their decision privileged sexual freedom over religious freedom. Unfortunately, when the courts don't settle these controversies, the public opinion weighs in with their own morality and truth, and that's where everything gets mixed up. And I like what was said previously. We as a nation must seek God. You know, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, we have to humble ourselves and pray and seek God and turn from our wicked ways, then God will heal our land. He can heal the United States of America from its terrible obsession with sin Mm -hmm. if we seek him. Amen. Well said. Wow. Sister, what's Sister Deborah? What you guys say? Then I'm going to probably ask um, uh, Sister Cheryl if she's still there. She wants to say something. But go ahead, Sister Deborah. Well, first of all, I don't identify with a woman just because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. Because if she's not following God and if she's not speaking out of the word, then she don't speak for me. She don't line up with what I believe in. And to me, a woman can't really be a woman if she's not respecting a man. Because that's the order in which God set up, and that has got to be respected. And what we have done in this country, the things that we say is to help women, when you look at the fruits, you, you guys were talking about the fruits earlier, mm-hmm. when you look at the fruits of it, these things come against women in a greater way. Amen. When you allow men to, or, or people of uh, homosexuals to actually participate in sports, women lose. You can't be in a sport as a man with muscles and all this other stuff and say because you dress like a woman, you think you're a woman, that you should be able to uh, participate in the sports of a woman. Then women lose and they are no longer can be competitive, which is what we fought so hard for them, to have their own sports. When we talk about abortion, the women who suffer the most are the ones who've had abortions because they can't live with the fact that they've killed their own baby. That does not help women. And even in rape, it is counselors have said the women who don't survive well from rape or get over it are the ones who kill their babies that was a result of the rape. So there's a lot of lies and deceptions in this. And again, it goes back to the word of God. So nobody speaks for me unless they're speaking from the word. Amen. Amen. Ooh. Um I want to, uh, let's say, um, let's go to Brother Casper. Uh, is, uh, is Sister Cheryl there or is she uh, left? I'm here. Oh, okay. Well, Sister Cheryl, uh, I'm so glad you're there. Uh, what do you think about that question about what's going on with 
women in Congress saying things that say they represent you? Well, I agree with my sister-in-law. They don't represent me. They don't speak for me. I feel that women who, they're not honest with themselves. They're angry. Mm. They need to be healed and they need to be delivered when they stand and say they don't want a man, they don't want to have anything to do with a man, refuse to allow a man to have authority and refuse to submit to a man. Basically says to me, because underneath it all, they still want a man. <laughs> they want a husband. They want families. They want children. They can, can, they can deceive themselves by choosing another woman. But underneath it, they were created by God for a man-woman relationship. Now, the enemy can deceive you, and you can believe that lie and think it's the truth, but it's still a lie. It is not of God. And those women do not speak for me. When a woman gets to the point where she is willing to kill her own child, that's the enemy. Mm -hmm. She's been so deceived, so wounded, so hurt, that she has, been, she has allowed herself to fall into that pit of degradation that she would believe that. I just don't agree with that and know they don't speak for me. Amen. I believe that the Word of God is the Word of God. Now, you can make all the choices you want and think you're in control, but the bottom line is God's word is true, and every other man, every other voice is a liar. Amen. So we deceive ourselves as people because we know, we're not taught. Mm -hmm. Our church has gotten to a We didn't keep up with the times. We allowed ourselves to be lulled by the enemy, and we have not kept up with teaching the word. And therefore, like the other brother said, we've lost ground. We've given up so much. But what I do believe is that the Word of God says that if we would open our mouths, humble ourselves and pray, but out of the mouth of out of the, the mouth is life and death. The tongue speaks life or it speaks death. If we begin to start speaking life over our situation and not allow ourselves as a people to fall into fear. But we keep our faith because God will hear and he will answer and he can turn things around. But we have got to trust him. We have got to look to him. We have got to pray for each other. Our churches, our pastors have got to stand up. And if they're not standing up, then we the people who do believe and, and know that God doesn't need 10,000 people. He works very well with 300. Mm -hmm. If he can get 300 faithful people who will speak his word over the situation, things will change. Amen. Amen. That's well said. Um, let's do this here. Let's switch gears okay. here and ask the men then. Sister Sharon got another question. Um, I want to ask um, Brother Gary, then uh, Brother uh, Casper, and uh, Brother Nathan, and Brother uh, Mason. So go ahead, uh, Brother Gary. Same topic? Same topic. Yeah, my problem is not that the women are women. Uh, my problem is they're Marxists. See, uh, my Nation Savers uh, 2018 page on Facebook, this is what I do, and this is what I was trying to tell people prior to the midterms. If you want uh, this country to remain free, you have to stop these uh, Democrats from taking over the House because they're going to put us back in bondage because they're following the Marxist agenda. 
the media is following the Marxist agenda. I don't care if they're men. I don't care if they're women. It doesn't matter. It's a Marxist agenda, and that agenda is to try and turn this nation socialist. And they have to get God out of the way, because this country was founded on Judeo-Christian values. That constitution there is the freedom of, that this country has coming from God. The founding fathers, they were imperfect men. They sinned just like us, okay? But that document, that document is as good as it gets, okay? Mm-hmm. See, and that's why the left, everything they try and do, it comes back to racist white guys that wrote the Constitution, we've got to get rid of it. No, you know, the Constitution is fine. It's just like people will say, well, this pastor did this, Christianity doesn't work. And I'll say, did Jesus do that? Yeah, well, this person, he claims to be a Christian, but he's a hypocrite. I said, did Jesus do that? See, and that's the thing. So my, my, my answer is, for male or female or any people in public office, unfortunately, everybody on the left is marching in lockstep to this overthrow the Constitution. And by the way, as you know, the first part of the Constitution, even before freedom of speech for individuals, it's freedom of religious speech. They're trying to silence us because, as everybody on this panel knows, if they can silence the one voice of truth, which is the body of Christ, game, set, match. Amen. Wow. Brother Casper. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to... Uh, uh, um, this whole abortion issue, you know, from a political standpoint, it's a, it's like a hot potato, right? So everybody is, is trying to pass it around, and one side says, you know, the women's uh, um, right to 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 um, reproductive health. Nobody knows what that means, and <laughs> and then on the right, you know, we talk about um, um, we talk about the life, you know, that is being terminated, and. And what I say is that um, women's health um, can be maintained and even increased uh, at the same time as we are defending life. We should, the government should not be defaulting to death. And that's what we do right now. We default to death. Mm-hmm. And we pay for death. We do not pay for life. We should be paying for life. And we should tell that, that mother or that, uh, um, that family that they don't have the means to, to um, care for that baby, they want to get the baby for adoption or what have you, then um, there, sh- there should be a mechanism to step in, uh, um, hopefully not even government mechanism, there should actually be a church that steps in. Thank you, uh, thank to, you. <laughs> okay, to make sure that that, um, that that family is taken care of and that baby is is born alive amen okay and then if the if the mother or the family can't take care of it then there's adoption there's foster care there's all kinds of uh, mechanisms that that can be put in place to uh, to help their family so i don't look at it as a as a white and black issue or you know uh, pro-life versus uh, pro-life versus pro-choice um that mother can choose life she can choose life even if she doesn't want the baby. She can still choose life mm-hmm. and allow that baby to survive. And if she doesn't feel she has the means to take care of it, then she can, uh, she can give it up for adoption, but allow it to survive. Amen. I like that. I like that. I like that, that answer right there. All right. Um, Brother Nathan. 
Yes, sir. Well, one of the things that keeps coming up, and I've heard it a couple of times, one of my favorite passages, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, and you know the rest. Mm-hmm. And I think this is part of the problem with women in, uh, in Congress to the degree that there is no humility. Um, I think what we're seeing play out is an analogy I, I use, sorry men, silly women, and sassy children. But the reason we have silly women and sassy children is because we have sorry men. Mm-hmm. And these men, these women who are in congressional positions, their husbands or fathers, if they're not married, are not praying with them, praying for them, and praying over them. And therefore, they don't know how to be humble. And so it comes down to an emotional response, and I don't mean that pejoratively, but it comes down to an emotional response to whatever the subject matter may be, solely based on their dislike of the current administration and anything they can do, which does not include being humble to success, no matter where it comes from. Um, And I think the part of the problem is they just need to learn to humble themselves before the Lord and allow a man to be their covering. The Bible talks about the covering for the woman. And so they just need a covering. And, and I believe that's a huge problem with what we're seeing currently on the Democratic side uh, in Congress with the women at this time. Amen. That's, uh, Brother Nathan, I really do appreciate you say humbling because that's something that I have not seen in a lot of people, especially on Facebook and other places. They keep on, you know, there's a lot of people don't, don't be humble. They always want to jump on the bandwagon and, and trying to, you know, regurgitate things when they hear from the news cycles and stuff like that. But they never, and they say they're Christians, but they never come to grips on the fact about being humble. And a lot of us been saying that, and that's one of the biggest, huge problems that we have in a lot of churches today is that a lot of people are not being humble because they don't see, they don't see the humility of Christ. And when you hear right. the, and when people talk about the humility of Christ, they, 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 some people just go ahead. Oh my God! They talk about being a doormat. No, God was never, because even go back to the. Um, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, when he says about meek, you know, he says the grace as he who are meek, what? And I, I could go down this whole scripture, but he, he said, but meekness is, is, is part of humility. And that's one of the that's biggest, right. and that's one of the biggest huge problems that we have in the body is that we don't have enough humility going on. So I congratulate you for uh, bringing that to the forefront. So, uh, Brother Mason, go ahead and uh, chime in a little bit. I appreciate it very much. You know, um, only one time did God say the words, it is not good. And that was for the man to be alone. And I, I thank God Almighty that he formed my wife for my goodness. Mm-hmm. Now, she doesn't lead me, but she does inspire me. Mm-hmm. And and right now, her inspiration these two little girls we're raising. We're raising two granddaughters here. Mm-hmm. And she was a highly educated, highly uh, involved, a 
woman at work. She was the senior uh, technician for AT&T in San Diego. She ran the central office in San Diego. But the day we got these two little girls to raise, my wife quit her job. Mm. She's left her 33 years. She was in that position. She left that job to raise these two little girls because she knows that 10,000 years from now, it's not going to matter what she did at AT&T. It's not going to matter what she did, who her coworkers were. It's not going to matter uh, who, what customers she had at AT&T. It's going to matter her purging from these grandkids, her 1,000th generation for what we have put in these girls. And because the, the woman was given to man because we needed something. So right now, the woman has left the household. If my wife was not here, my wife is the example of, to my granddaughters of what a wife is. She's the example of how a woman treats her husband. She's the example of how a woman dressed. She's the example of the values of your body. She is the example of what they're supposed to be. If my wife was not here right now, the state and TV would be telling my little girls how to dress, how to act. Mm -hmm. So when the woman left the home, when the woman decided to go to work with the man, who is raising the children now? We have TV. You know, the same thing happened with the black folks. When they took the man out of the family, the family looked to government or looked for the master to take care of them. When we take women out of the household, our children suffer. Amen. If you had a male and a female with a one-week-old baby on a desert island somewhere, mm -hmm. a one-week-old baby, if one person dies, which person's death would ensure the baby's death? Mother. Because only she could nurse their child. That's right. Women are needed to nurse our families. And I know some of you have to work, and praise God for the work you do. But God put you in the home because kids need that, that the only person on planet Earth, the best person on, in the world to raise your children is that woman. So my wife, that's why I praise her so much, she gave up the, the most covenant career of AT&T to pull into these two little girls here. And that's going to be something that I will take to my old folks' home. Not her job, not her career, but the grandkids and great-grandkids they're going to bring to this world. Amen. Oh, my God. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I, I want to I say praise the Lord because I'm going to tell you why I said that, Brother uh, Mason. That is so profound. You know, my wife is studying Tyus. Mm. And when you and not only just tired, she studied tired. I'm studying tired. She studied First Corinthians, and let's talk about that very thing. What you just said there, because this, if you read the, what the Corinthians church is going through, it's exactly what's going what we're going through in the body of Christ now. And everything in the Bible that is going on from the time of Acts all the way to now, from Revelations, is going on right now, according to the Bible. And when my wife read Tyus, and she told me this, she, we, we, I love my wife to death because she is a, she prayed for my salvation because I was Man. right with God. She prayed for, she became a wife that that I need, not the wife of what I that the world say I need, but the wife that I need. And what I mean, what I need is something that God put in her to do to pray for my salvation. And what she did, she became, she did not become my Holy Spirit. You see, she became my helpmeet. And see, that's right. the thing that's very profound when, when you know, because I, even from the women on this panel now, they are helpmeets to their men.
I know that that's one of them are because even Sister Deborah, when her, when her husband was alive, they were helpmates to their men. Why? Because God called them to. And that's why. But the world doesn't want that. No. The world doesn't want that. You, you've got women nowadays that think, every woman I know thinks she's a Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> but in reality, most of them are Proverbs 29 women. You know, you better live in, on a roof than in a house with a contentious female. That's. <laughs> <laughs> so you got I mean, the first thing about that Proverbs 31 woman, the first thing about her that every female wants to be, she was first a wife. That's right. And everything she did brought honor to her husband. That's right. And so women, you know, you're, I'm sorry, we're made to take care of each other. That's right. Not to, I have women I know now I'm counseling who are leaving their husbands because he don't recognize what a great career she has. She thinks her glory is her position. I, I have a dozen women I know who are leaving their good husbands because he does not honor her position like her boss does, like the community does, like the church does. And she is dividing her family up. I have, I'm on the phone almost every night with these women trying to say, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Because a thousand years from now, it will, you will forget your boss's name 50 years from now. You forget the address of your company. Get back to what you're here for. Amen. It's the most important job on the planet, raising these children. Amen. Oh, my God. Whew. So, Sister Saron, I want you to go ahead and ask this question. Then um, I'm, I'm going to have one more question after Sister, Sister, Sister Saron. Then we will go ahead and close this out because this is going to be a part two of this. I mean, this okay. is so This is profound. Go ahead, Sister Saron. Um. In 1936, when Franklin Roosevelt sought re-election to the presidency, some of his critics labeled him a socialist. Um, the charge was so incendiary that the White House moved quickly to rebut it, labeling it an accusation which an accusation which no patriotic, honorable, decent citizen would purposely inject into American affairs. That was then. Today in America, for the first time in nearly a century, socialism is not a dirty word or a shunned label for many people. Um, and so I want us to know, what can we do, not just talking about it, but what can we do to educate people um, about why the socialist platform is so detrimental to the United States? Oh, my God. I love that question. Wow. Brother, I want Brother Gary to start with this, and then I want Brother uh, Mason. <laughs> Go ahead, Brother Gary. Yeah, because this is, this is my field of expertise. The reason I got started in this is because of two DVDs that I was involved in about the socialist takeover in the United States. And what we need to do is first understand what socialism is, it's big government. It's where big government comes in and infringes and takes over the production and takes over what the private sector is supposed to be doing. In other words, instead of you enjoying the fruits of your labor and giving charity, uh, you know, paying your taxes, but giving charitable to other sources that you want to give to, the government comes in and starts running everything. And you see it with the Democratic Party now, free health care, free college. They're going to start running where they want to run on the left. They want to run the, uh, the you know, the, the, the uh, uh, environment. 
and all this, and they're going to tell you what to eat, what to drink, what kind of cars to drive. And, as, and each program takes money to run, but government doesn't make money. It spends money. So where does it come from? They have to tax the rich. And then they just keep moving down until it gets to you. As Margaret Thatcher said, the late great Margaret Thatcher of, 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 of uh, Great Britain, she said, sooner or later they run out of other people's money. It's an ungodly form of government because what God requires is that you are able to enjoy the fruits of your labor, and he does not reward slothfulness. See, and the reason socialism, how the government tries to get it to work, is to get enough people on the government dime so that the socialists will be able to control elections, meaning people not working, not you know, carrying their own key, pulling their own weight. And if you do that, you're really not free because you're, 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 you're beholden to the government. And the problem it is, the two things, the father of socialism, Karl Marx, the first thing he did, he had to get rid of the church because of everything we know uh, as people of Christ, that either people will look to a benevolent God for their sustenance, understanding life here on earth, isn't our, this isn't our life, our best life is in heaven, and that's where we're storing, storing our treasures in heaven, that we will look to that, or you'll look to government, but not both. So they'll look to get God out so government can ride in and replace it. The second thing, they've got to get the guns. And that's why you always see the left trying to go after the Second Amendment, because they need the guns, because when people find out that they've fallen into Cuba or Venezuela or Greece or Mao or Stalin or Lenin, now you want to take your country back, but you need guns to do it, and they take your guns so they can mow you down. It's an ungodly anti-American, anti-God form of government, and we need to understand it. You need to learn about it. There's very good videos out there. The book, The Naked Communist, that was written in 1959, is a very good book about an FBI agent that infiltrated the Communist Party, and you'll be stunned at how far they've moved through the Democratic Party to get to where they are today. We need to learn it, understand what's going on, and then help to educate others. Amen. Wow. Uh, Brother Mason, tie in, my brother. Yes, sir. You know, I, I don't know if we can convince man not to go to hell. I, I, I'm not sure. I, 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 just, I just don't think we can do it. I, I think that man... What? <laughs> I, think, go ahead. I think that man wants to be God. Mm. He desires to be God. He thinks he can visualize world peace. He thinks he can control the environment. He believes that he, he, can, he can find the cure for getting old. Man believes and always believes he was God. Every fake religion gives man some kind of control of things. If you do this, you're going to do that. So man is seeking darkness. I mean, you and I, all of us on this call, we're, we're, we're roses, and we, we require bright light. Mm-hmm. But some folks are fungus, and they require darkness. Mm. They require dampness. So I don't know. I, I think, you know, this last election cycle, President's election, I, I traveled over 10,000 miles in my Winnebago campaigning. I went out, I flew out to, to uh, Denver to help Casper. I drove all over the South praying, confronting, espousing, answering questions night and day. I, I stood up in, 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 in uh, rest areas. And my, me and my Winnebago just driving and driving and driving, praying to people, get your country back. It doesn't take a majority. God did not need a, a majority to, to uh, go into Jerusalem or go into uh, the, the promised land. He didn't need a majority at Sodom. He, he didn't need a majority with Gideon. He, he, didn't, he doesn't need a majority. He needs you to stand up for the 
square feet, two square feet of ground you stand on and praise him and confront and, and expose and shed the light, the truth on these lies. If you did that, if you did that, the truth never comes back void. It never comes back empty. If you spread the truth, it will come back as a reward. We will win our country back when we show up. We always win when we show up. You know, we think that we're in the land of the living, and then we die, we go to the land of death. Mm-hmm. But we're actually living in the land of death. And when we die, we go to the land of living. That's right. Every man dies, but not every man lives. Let's just live for God, and he will do the rest. Amen. Wow. Brother Casper. Brother Casper. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, I personally never try to um, persuade or convince uh, someone to do the right thing. What I do is I try to do the right thing so that they will see what it looks like. Because most of them don't know. So, so I just try to do the right thing, uh, pray for them, love on them, and um, over time they will see, or maybe not, and go to hell with his, you know, with his hey, That's the way it goes. But uh, I just need to be the witness. You know, I need to be the, the, the example of, um, you know, be the, be the change you want to see in the world kind of thing. So if we want to see... Uh, Christian beliefs and, 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 and Christian values and so forth in the world, then we as Christians need to live, the, live that life. Um, the reason why the government and politicians have kind of taken over that, that, um, that cause is because we as Christians have dropped it. You know, we dropped the ball. And, you know, I mean, we, we'll let them fund, fund death and stuff and, 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 um, like in the case of New York, you know, we'll be at the courthouse cheering and, and clapping and standing ovations for them uh, funding death. Mm-hmm. So we as Christians, in order for, for things to change in this world, we have to change. Amen. You know, we have to become that, that light, the salt, and, and love that we've been talking about. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I hate, to, I hate to break the news to you, but I read to the end of the book. And... <laughs> and um, you know, at the end we win, but there's a whole lot of uh, uh, turmoil in the process, and, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Amen. That's well said, my brother. Okay, I want I want to get Sister Cheryl to come in on this one. Is she still there? Okay. Go ahead. I'm here. So, um, you repeat the question for me again. Well, let's uh, Sister Sharon repeat the question, which I think is an awesome question about socialism. Sister Sharon? Oh, yeah, okay. okay. I, I'm having a problem getting this off. I'm saying, what can we, I put my mute on and listen, and I get engrossed with it, and then my phone goes to But in, nonetheless, uh, my question is, what can we do today to stop this socialistic, you know, socialism from spreading across our nation, you know, because we know socialism is not roads, welfare, and free education. Socialism has always had a more ominous goal, and it shares a, a very close historical and ideological connection with more uh, 
reviled terms like Marxism and communism, but we know that what the ultimate goal is for them to abolish uh, the private property and take away, you know, our rights to uh, to have our own things. What can we as Christians do? What can we do to stop this movement? I, I remember years ago when we were at, um, Honey and I were at a, an event, and that's when they really started talking about socialism and socialism coming to America. And there was a lady who came up to the, the table where we were, uh, had a booth. And she came from, I believe she came from Cuba. Uh, she came from somewhere where she had lived through socialism. And she spoke wholeheartedly against it. And, I, and the key thing for me was she spoke firsthand what she knew. And for those of us in America, even though we see the light and we tell our people, they're so in darkness, they refuse to see. But to have people who are believers who come from countries where socialism is or came out of or ran from in order to be in, in, in America and share their stories about what socialism was really like, there's, it, there's nothing glorious about it. But for some reason, we have been deceived into believing that there is something glorious. And I think it's become because man has become lazy. We want someone else to do it for us. We no longer want to think. We no longer want to work. We no longer want to have anything. And we have been, um, we have been pushed down so or deceived so that we have demeaned our own selves and our own values. Amen. And we're willing to give it to someone else for them to work, for them to provide, for them to give things to us, for them to um, educate our children, for them to provide food for us, that we no longer want to do it ourselves. And it's just become laziness and deceit. We don't see the light. We don't want to see the truth anymore. So maybe having people who have lived through it, who have experienced it and hear their stories, and tell them, you know, this is not a good thing. This is not something you want to have control of, control your life. So maybe that is something that we, we can do along with, you know, the spiritual aspect of praying and seeking God and getting wisdom from him. But people who come out of socialism, let them tell their stories. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well said. Sister Deborah. You know, and part of what uh, Cheryl said uh, I think about how um, with the Jews that uh, people that live through the Holocaust and when young people are asked, do you believe that the Holocaust happened? Do you believe that, you know, m you know, millions or however many Jews were killed? And they go, no, they didn't believe it. They just believed it was just made up. Mm. And that is just so heartbreaking, but that's what, you know, that's what this whole socialism and, and uh, this communism, that's what they want. They want them doubting history happened. Um, in some ways, and, and, and I know this is a heavy subject, but in some ways I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm excited is that because of what we're going through in America, we are standing up now to say who we are. Because for so long, America has not been sure who it was. You know, for for a long time now, we've just slowly just been 
pulled into somebody else's agenda. Now we have to stand up and say, who are we? And what will we stand for and what will we not stand for? It took New York doing something totally ridiculous for people to say, wait a minute, I'm, well, I'm not standing for abortions no more. You know, Abby Johnson, you know, she stood up and she said, no, this is what's going on. And no, we are not going to tolerate this. So people are starting to come out of that lukewarm place. They're starting to stand up and say no in the name of Jesus. I, even myself, it's like, you know, yeah, I've had this stuff in my head for a while now, but it's now, now I'm ready to get on Facebook and I'm now willing to say it because it's no longer time to be lukewarm. Amen. And all it takes is a remnant. And with us and many like us, mm -hmm. there's a remnant out there that, are, that know what they're called to do, or at least they have a general idea, the platform, whether you're a writer, whether you are, you know, you, whether you travel and talk to people, or whether you do Facebook Lives, or however God calls, run for office, whatever God calls you to do, if we will individually do that, then we've done our part, then God will do his part, and he will raise up that army that is sold out to him, who are crying out to him, mm -hmm. and he will deliver the captives and set us free. Amen. But we've got to do our part and not be afraid, you know, because the because it's socialism is just evil. Period. Right. It's just totally evil. Yeah. And so it's that battle against good and evil. But, like Casper said, we won. You read the back of the book, we won. But why is God allowing this? Because he is. He wants us to stand up and be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Amen. He wants us to be kings and priests unto, unto, unto him. That's and right. we can't do that if we sit back and let whatever happen. And we're not going to do that. And so this is just an opportunity for us to stand up and be what Christ has called us to be. Amen. Wow. Brother Nathan, your, your comments, sir. And thank you again. I think uh, everyone that has spoken has uh, fully encapsulated the answer to the question. And I just want to say, and, and uh, Sister Deborah just said one huge thing. Our, the view is, is kind of skewed. I think part of the problem is we, in general, and, and not intentionally, we just don't know. But we've been looking at heavenly things from an earthly perspective, and we need to change our perspective and begin mm. to look at earthly things from a heavenly perspective. Yes. And once we do that, once we allow ourselves to see what it is that God wants us to see, now some of that is going to be, disheartening some of it will be discouraging some of it's just going to be plain ugly but god wants us to see these things so that we can then bring about the truth of what's going on sister cheryl said it earlier we have to allow the eyewitnesses to tell their story and the eyewitnesses associated with the resurrection of christ told the story based on what they knew not what they heard and so when an eyewitness of socialism tells the story of what they experienced and dealt with, and that's why they left, when we look at this, they change their perspective 
of viewing what socialism really is. Uh, historically, all of the research I've done and the things I've looked at, some of the people, not many, perhaps 25 to 27%, when they tried to institute this in various countries, thought this was going to be a good idea because, again, it's that free stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have that problem here. Yeah. Uh, and someone said earlier, at some point, you're just going to run out of other people's money. Right. So we have to change our perspective and allow God to be our guiding light in everything. Amen. It, it's, it's really, again, I think it's really, really simple. Uh, the first few words of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 1, says, In the beginning, God. And if you stop right there, everything else falls into place. You know that wow. everything found in the Bible is found in seed firm and is germinated in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. That's but right. we always forget those first four words, in the beginning, God. And if we go there, we'll be all right. Amen. Well said. I'm going to put my input in and I'm going to ask this last question. Um, I experienced socialism as a kid. And I'm going to tell you how I experienced it. I experienced socialism when I was living in the places in the urban core. When people in poverty, people struggling, people doing all kinds of stuff that were unbiblical, not biblical, or even not even godly. Churches that are uh, dilapidated and all of this stuff going on and they're not even reaching out to the people that they say they are, but they want to you to come to their church and pay tithes to it. But they don't understand that the people need Christ and, and, the, and all kinds of killing and everything else. So personally, I experienced socialism in the urban core in America because we have people in, in, in who are in line that are not of God running the city council, running the school boards, running uh, as governor or as mayor, whatever. These are the people who came in and tried to say, we got something for you, to, you, you will like it. And when you taste it, you thought it tastes good until you realize it's bitter. And when I experienced that, I realized I don't want that. So I work hard. Deer hard, cry hard, bleed hard, serve my country hard, all that, because I didn't want to be part of that. When I realized when I got out of that lifestyle or when I got out of that mindset, when I became a Christian, God showed me, this is where you came from. I want you to go back and tell my people. To let my people go. You see this is where. All those experiences the Moses experience. And this is why. God has called us to do these things. Sister Deborah said so perfectly. That God called all of us. To do whatever he called us to do. To get this. Get his word out. So that is the main thing I love about. God's people and. I mean true God's people. Not people who claim to be a God. But true God's people. Like people here now. We are here. For a purpose. And that purpose is to honor and worship our Lord. And tell the people the truth about it. So that's why I am so thrilled. That when Sister Sharon asked that question. About that. I experienced that as a, as a, uh, as a child. And I experienced that as a uh, man. 
but I was not a saved man then when God broke me from that. That's when I realized that I am not going to be taking something that don't belong to me. That's what God comes in and became much more than I need. And that's why I don't need no government, nothing, or anything to do what God can do for me. So that's why younger people are so crosshair when they have to deal with uh, these, these uh, schools, these universities, these places, uh, these incubators of this stuff. Which that leads me to my last question. My last question, and this is from some um, from Nashville. This is for WMCR Nashville, Tennessee, uh, from my genre radio, and this is from uh, Alicia, and she is in college. She goes to the university, Vanderbilt University. She is a socialist. That's what she said. She claimed to be a socialist. She says she's a Christian socialist. Uh, about to, about, I know, I know, I know. Almost pregnant, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I got, to, I got to say that. <laughs> she says, well, well, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh uh, no, but I'm about to, I'm gonna break this down. I'm gonna break her question down. I want y'all to break it down as much as you can. Well, not much as you can, but what y'all can do. But this God is the thing. I know. Lord have mercy. But she did ask this question. She says, this, why are there so many people against socialism? And how come that you can't put the things that uh, that Jesus said as a socialist act? That's what she said. That's what she asked. So I want yeah. uh, Brother Gary start. <laughs> okay. Uh Socialism, like if you've been listening, and, and, and by the way, thank you for asking this question. Thank you for asking this question because uh, one of the things, if, if I had gotten an opportunity to chime back in, that I wanted to say, the biggest problem we have with socialism is our high schools and our colleges where people are paying between twenty dollars and $40,000 or more a year to become socialists. And understand, as Vlad Lenin said, the goal of socialism is communism. See, we've talked about today about how things start at one place and they go someplace else. They start at, uh, at Roe versus Wade, one woman, and now we're at a fantasize. It starts, as I said before, like uh, where you have uh, some people just want uh, same-sex unions. We just want benefits. And now, look, you don't even know a man wants to be a, you don't even know a man's from woman and everybody wants to go to each other's bathrooms, okay? The problem with socialism, it starts with a wealth redistribution, but it can't work because it takes away people's initiative to mm -hmm. produce. In other words, scientists, every, nobody, why is anybody, why would a doctor even try and find a cure for cancer if the government's just going to take, take his stuff and take half his money and give it, to, give it away? See, so it, A, it takes away the initiative of people. That's number one. B, it's an ungodly form of government because you have to get God out of the way because people are to look to God for substance. And Jesus never said, let the government take care of you. Who did he say feed his people? He said the church. Mm -hmm. See, but the church can't do it because the government has put the church in such a position where it can't be charitable anymore. Okay? So what ends up happening with socialism, it will eventually, if it's carried out to its logical conclusion, turn to communism. And if you want to know what's wrong with it, Mao in China, Lenin... 
Stalin, we can look in North Africa, we can go to Hugo Chavez, you can look all right, look what's going on right now in Venezuela, the Castros, in Cuba. It will eventually turn into a dictatorship that will enslave people because it's big government, and the more government gets, the more government wants to run, and it becomes not power of we the people, it becomes power of we the government. And when the people start starving, when you see the long bread lines and they want to revolt, like you're seeing against Madero right now in Venezuela, what do they do? They come in with military force. And that's what Hitler did first. He took the guns away. He took the guns away. So when, when he had to put down the iron fist, the Jews had nothing to fight back with. Amen. So it's, a, it's an ungodly form of government. And, and, and I, I know people who are communists, I know people who are socialists, but I would just like to say one more thing to this young lady. Please don't let this be about envy. I have talked to so many people who have been fooled into believing they should be envious about the rich. I had a person recently, an educated guy, tell me that, you know, well, the rich are making too much, we need to take some of it from them. And, 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 and I said, but you, you understand what socialism is. You understand what communism is. And he said, well, I'm not, I don't have much, but if I can bring them down a peg, so be it. Please don't let it be about jealousy and envy, because that is not Christ's way. Amen. Brother Mason. I have nothing to say. <laughs> I don't understand. No, honestly, I do have something to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I can understand why this young lady thinks that socialism is so attractive. I do understand. Actually... We practice socialism here at my home. Uh, my children live under a socialist society here. When they get hungry, I have to act. When they want something to wear, I have to buy it. When they get sick, I provide medical. I give them the bed to sleep in. Everything they desire, everything they need has to come through me. That's called childhood. And that's why young people, when they get up and go into high school and college, they're subjected to it, it's natural. Whatever they want something, they get it from their parents. My 16-year-old, she wants a car, but doesn't want the car payments. Mm. She wants pretty clothes, but doesn't want a job. That soul system is attractive to young folks because that's all they know. But now I'm taking away the socialist crutches. Now when she needs a new computer, she's going to have to buy that computer. You got to learn how to do that. So socialism is, you know, you can you can educate folks all day long. There's some great. It's obvious that socialism does not work, but they would just change the name, the name, change the title. Mm -hmm. It used to be called feudalism, and then it was called serfdom, mm -hmm. and then it was called slavery, and now they call it socialism. It's the same thing, and we can argue with it all day long. I don't want to argue with this young lady. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let her grow up. I'm going to pray over her. I'm going to be, reveal the word of God to her and everywhere I stand. We have to realize, folks, it's not, we can change America with just the people on this call right now. That's right. Just the people listening right now mm -hmm. could change America. If, if we understood that, that God took one family, Noah, and saved mankind, mm -hmm. God took 300 men with Gideon and save Israel. It doesn't matter the number. What matters is the faith, the faith. We can fight this. Someone said a minute ago on this call that we may, you know, we, we may lose our nation to socialism. 
The only way we can is if we take God away. That's right. God, sources cannot stand the light. We are the light. But we've been told to put our light down. We're too ashamed of God to try to, try to please man. It doesn't matter what man does. It matter what God does. And if we act like we believe in God, God will act like he believes in us. Mm. And we can save America if we just show up. We win every time Amen. we show up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow. That's well said, brother. That's well said. Um, uh, I want to go ahead and go to Sister Deborah and chime in. Well, you know, I'm going to take a kind of an interesting view on this. I'm going to say that many times when people ask questions, the question they ask is not the question they need answered. Amen. Amen. And my spirit is telling me that her question is not the question she needs answered. Mm. And that question cannot be answered by anyone because she's got something in her heart that is not right. And she knows it and she can feel it. Yeah. And she's using socialism to medicate it. Now, my recommendation is is to get into the word on it. She says she's a Christian. Take the word of God. Take all the ideas that she believes about socialism and take them into the word and ask God to show her in the word what he says about it. That's right. And let her and God work it out so God can heal her heart for the issues that she has that is holding her bound to the socialism thinking because she's medicating. Mm -hmm. She's medicating her pain with socialism. Wow. And no matter what we say to her, she's going to, if, if we were talking to her face to face, she would rebut it. But what this? But what about this? But what about that? But see, when God answers your question, there's no rebuttal. Mm. Wow. Sister, you, you, you just you hear a, a big thing because she just she came with a that rebuttal and now she said wow and and she, that's how she says wow and and another day why she says wow is because you hit something. Put those two together, brother. Put them in contact with each other. Mm. Right, and that's exactly what you're saying. Is that God? And I'm talking to her right now as she's listening in right now. I said, look, God is the answer. Sister, sister, just, just, just answer it for you. She, she did just give you an answer. She gave you a solution. And that is you need to get the word God because you are medicating yourself. You are. And that's the truth. You are medicating yourself. You're medicating yourself on a lie. To be honest, that is a lie. It is a lie. You and you try to say, what about this? What about that? And I mean, brother Mason saying so perfectly. He said that we did. It's so attractive because you're young. You don't know. But sister Deborah, just 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 put down the goblet. You just you're right. And that is she's medicating herself. So I want you. Uh, I told. I'm telling her this. Call me after this broadcast, and it's on my on the screen. Uh, on, on, on rcrnetwork.com go there 
or or over there my journal you go to my journal you go to the station id and you click on there you call me at the end of this i want to talk to you okay well, i want to talk to the sister okay sister deborah thank you for that i want to go to um brother casper yeah one um this comes up a lot in politics because people equate socialism with sh with uh, social programs Mm -hmm. And if you are a Christian, you think, well, social programs are great because they're helping the poor, you know, you know, they're helping the needy and things like that. You know, they're they're providing um, the services that that people need. Mm -hmm. um, well, for one, those services should be provided by the church, not the government. Right. But you know, that aside, social programs it, it has nothing to do with socialism. That's why AOC always talks about, you know, all these uh, you know, social programs. She she um, she confuses the two. Yeah. And I think a lot of uh, Christians do the same thing. Socialism can only be enacted at the at the point um, at the tip of a gun. You know, it, it's forced. Mm -hmm. And Christianity is not forced. In fact, it doesn't work if you force somebody. You can't force somebody into being saved. You have to, you know, you can persuade them, you can pray for them and all these good things, but you can't force them at the tip of a gun and say, you will accept Jesus in your life. That's not how Christianity works. Exactly. That's how some other religions work, and that's how socialism works. You have to force people into it. You have to take it. If you have something in socialism, that has to be taken away so that everybody has the same amount. So, you know, um, people don't give up their worldly possessions in socialism. They are uh, um, removed of their social, uh, you know, of their of their worldly possessions. So Amen. that part is not is not Christian. There's nothing just Christian about socialism. Amen. Social programs. You can you can think about social programs as being somewhat um, Christian based, but again, if it's being delivered by government, that's not even Christian. Amen. So, so I think uh, um, she might be looking at it like and thinking that. Because she's Christian and she wants to help people, and these social programs are helping people, that these social programs are socialism, and that is not the case. Amen. Well said, my brother. Well said. Well said. All right. Uh, Sister Cheryl, I want you to chime in because this sister is really needs another woman opinion, too. And I'm going to get Sister Sharon after I get with Brother Nathan. Go ahead, Sister uh, Cheryl. Um, I'm listening, and um, I also think, too, that not only this young lady, but probably a lot of people, especially I'm going to go as far as to say many black people, mm -hmm. uh, in, in, one, in one token, we talk about freedom and how we want to be free, mm -hmm. and we don't want to be oppressed, and we don't want the, the, the white man oppressing us or uh, holding us down or trying to bring us back into slavery. So we are so deceived that then we go and talk about socialism. But the two are not the same. You can't, you can't live in a communistic lifestyle and be free. There is no freedom. Right. So for the very same, in one token you're saying how you want to be free, but then you don't understand that Christ gives freedom. Amen. He allows you to make choices. He allows you to think. The Word of God sets you free. Mm -hmm. It opens up your eyes. It opens up your heart 
so that you can receive the value and know who you really are. The Word of God says that we are to reign as kings in life. Mm -hmm. Amen. We have power beyond that which we understand, but the enemy has us so deceived, we're looking for everything else except for Christ. Right. He is the answer. Amen. And so it's already been said that basically she just needs to spend some time with the Word of God, spend some time with the Holy Spirit, and ask questions. And if the two reasons is that, A, her question really wasn't her question, but she has something else in her heart, that's one thing. And if, B, if she confuses social progress with socialism, that's another thing. So it's the best matter of just spending some time along, as Deborah and Casper's already said, and just find out for yourself what it is you really want. Understand socialism. Look it up. Amen. Amen. Google it. You know, as everybody said, Google it. Right. Find out what other people are saying about what socialism really is. And then be for real and be authentic and find out for yourself what is the question you're really answering. Because socialism demeans us. It, it devalues does. us. It does. And when we think that we're giving a leveling playing field, that sounds good until you have an idea or you just you come to a revelation that you want to step out and be or do whom God has called you to be. And then you find out that you're no longer allowed to do that. Amen. You have to go with someone else's ideology, someone else's thought process. You are not allowed to be a free thinker when you're in communism. That's right. When you're in socialism. You can't be a free thinker. You don't get to do what you want to do when you want to do it and how you want it done. Amen. That's powerful. Brother Nathan. Well... I just want to. Are you saying Mason or Nathan? Yeah, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan or Mason. No, no, I said Nathan. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, thank you. I first of all just want to say very, very briefly uh, that I defer to the responses of uh, sisters Cheryl and Deborah to the degree that they obviously, based on your statement, even of what was going on with your communication while uh, particularly Sister Deborah was speaking. So I don't want to say anything that's going to jumble the waters mm -hmm. for this young lady. I do, however, uh, certainly believe that we, from a perspective of socialism, it goes back to the a couple of the earlier questions, we just simply need to educate folks. But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to give them the answer. Amen. We can't, we, look, we can't save anybody. I couldn't save myself. Uh, and, and we've never had, one of the things we have to realize is we've never really had an original response. When we were born as a baby, we cried because we were either hungry or wet, or perhaps in my case, I was I'm old that, you know, when they were changing the diaper, they stuck me with the pen, and I was uncomfortable. Right. So that was based on something happening to us. And then prior to being saved, all of our thought patterns were kind of led and directed by the adversary or a Satan or Lucifer, whatever you call that lying devil, mm -hmm. um, because we just didn't know any better. But once we got saved, then all of our thought, our actions, our deeds are directed by Christ. So there's not an original thought within us, 
and it's based solely on who are we going to follow. The old song says, whose report do you believe? And so you have to believe the report of the Lord and follow his dictate. So beyond that, I don't want to say a whole lot because I think God is dealing with this young lady based on what Sister Deborah said. Amen. And you're absolutely right, Brother Nathan. And um, I want Sister Sharon to go ahead with the last question because I do want to talk to her. And she said she wants to converse with me. And um, we will talk after this um, wonderful broadcast that we're doing. So, Sister Ron, go ahead and ask the last question for the night, and we will go ahead and pick this right back up next time. We will set a date to do this. Go ahead, Sister Sharon. Well, it is 11 o'clock, and I don't really have another question that would not take longer than maybe 30 minutes for this um, intelligent forum to address. So I just would like to punt it back to you for closing remarks. Okay, great. But um, that's wonderful. Um, and uh, I'm uh, um, she just messaged me again. She said she would love to talk to me as soon as we're done. Can here. I just go ahead? Well, can I, I just go ahead? This. I just wanted to answer, say I, I, everyone did an excellent job in answering that question, and there might be other people on. Um, that are listening, and I really think it's in, the key is seeking God, getting his guidance on this, because socialism is more than a road uh, to welfare, as I said. It's more than a free education. It has a more ominous goal because it poses an extreme danger to the freedom of speech and government, and um, additionally, it will make the Constitution open for any type of interpretation. It will uh, have religious organizations struggling to maintain their existence if they, if socialism comes into play because they will, as previously expressed, will have to silence the church. Uh, the, there will be terrible things to our economy. The, the crumbling of America's economic foundations will begin. And, and hard work will no longer be ultimately beneficial. So people won't want to work hard. People will move their money from out of the banks in the United States over to foreign banks so that they won't be taken. It's just a deplorable thing to fall into socialism. And I don't think that the millennials really know um, that much about how socialism works. And so they're feeding into one of the devil's distractions into getting them off of uh, what, what would happen if socialism takes place. Sure, we as saints of God and Christians, we want to do our part to help those that are in need if they're hungry or whatever, but socialism is not the right mechanism to do those things. And we, we understand that it would just be detrimental to our country amen that's well said well um i want to thank each and every one of you guys this this form itself is impact and wonderful i just thank god but i want to um and, and the main reason why i thank god for each one, one of you guys is because 
not only you gave so much insight and so much truth unto what is being said and done, but a lot of people who are listening in through the radio networks that we own and everything else is really resonate to what God is trying to do to them. So for this, that to say it, I want to go ahead and make a quick prayer because I want to really touch base to this situation that is online and need to be addressed. And we do need to go ahead and do that because a lot of times, you know, we could get so caught up in the theatrics of what we are saying because we are, we do have a lot that need to be carried on. But this soul needs God. And we need to go ahead and address it right here, right now, before we lose it. And God is giving us this opportunity to do so. So I'm going to do a quick prayer. And we will do this again. Uh, I will set up a day for us to do this again so we can go ahead and reach other people as well. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much, Father, for this opportunity that we come together as one accord. That men and women come together, bring in the forefront of what you call us to do to bring the issues that need to be said to the those who need and seeking you father so we pray right now in the name of jesus that each person who hears the sound of our voice that knows what we're saying that's biblical sound that god that you father god is the answer to everything so right now father we pray over everyone who listen and we pray over the airways we pray for everyone right now that once yes, they get indeed. that right in Jesus' name, that their hearts will get right with you, Jesus. That they will seek yes, you. Indeed. And once they seek you, Father, and seek you, Jesus, they become a child of God. So we pray right now for their salvation. We pray for yes, their, their whole heart to be meant to you, Father. And also to those who don't know God, we pray that you come to God now. This is not something for us to do casually. We're doing this because God called us to come to you to give you the gospel of our Lord and our Savior. And that is Jesus Christ. And we're not mm -hmm. saying this lightly. We're saying this boldly because we love you. And we yeah, would never, ever want to see you going to hell. So we pray right now in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 I want to thank each and every one of you guys. It's an honor and a privilege that you're on this forum. But I, we will definitely do this again. It's a, it has to be a part two because part two is really, we are here on some stuff here and we need to continue on getting the word out that it needs to be said. So I want to thank each and every one of you who listened to this wonderful broadcast. Thank you again and stay tuned. We got a lot much more to go. Thank you. Thank you for being part of RAP, witnessing real authentic politicians made from God. This forum is dedicated to bringing the things that are in the dark, into the light through our Lord Jesus Christ. The panel participants on this forum are Christians that battled through the wiles of the world to disciple those into the kingdom of God. Thank you for listening and God bless you. RAP Witnessing real authentic politicians made from God is copyrighted by the Resilient Christian Radio Network.